Welcome to Honest Talk about heartbreak, dating, and relationships. Relationships. The podcast helping you navigate your path to happy ever after with your host, Rob McPhillips. I've not really done a lot of work on in terms of friendships, um, so I'm not really clear on what people want to talk about and uh, what the biggest issues are going to be. So um, if we talk about in the groups, really what you'd like to get out of how you'd like your relation, uh, friendships to be improved, um, any problems that you have in, in friendships. Um, and then we'll come back and, and go from there. Because we've got to have some new people, just to remind everyone that um, we record the audio of um, what's what's discussed in the main room, and uh, but what what's said in the breakout rooms is private. So um, yeah, so we so we only use the audio and first names. Um, right, so. Who wants to sort of sum up some issues that came up in, in breakout rooms? I don't know whether... I don't mind, yeah. Um, so basically what, what we kind of were saying was um, in order to, to to attract a friend, is first of all, you've got to be a friend to yourself. Um, so in other words, it's about being comfortable within you, within yourself and then once you once you've got that level of comfort when you meet another human being regardless of, of gender or age that person will automatically um be attracted to you because of the quality that you're exuding from yourself um so i gave an example yesterday where i went on a when i went on a walk um with a, another meetup group which i'd never done before and my expectation wasn't negative. I wasn't thinking I'm going to go on this two-hour walk with a load of people who I don't know and um, they don't know me and I'm going to be bored and will I enjoy it? I just went with complete serenity in my own head. And when I arrived, I in- instantly got talking to this lad called Graham and then we spent the le- next two hours walking around having a really good laugh. And... Um, and really enjoyed myself. But at the end, once I um, had listened to the other people, com- other people's conversations whilst I was there, um, I was aware that although I would have been like, able to hold a conversation with them, they weren't compatible, compatible with myself and I wasn't compatible with them. So it was like like it had automatically attracted like by me not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's 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 one of the key things I think of the issues underlying friendships. Well, I th- I was um, discussing that some friendships um, can be hard to start. Um, like one party will recognize traits in another person that they've just met that they like but there are barriers that the other person presents. And sometimes it's a bit of a challenge. You almost have to work at it um, to get through that, to um, get to that friendship. 
and I was citing an example with myself. Um, a, a friend of mine that I met at university, we were in final year together, and the the initial uh, meeting was one of she just didn't like me at all. I, I, she just was like this, you know, but I liked her. And, um, and now we're best of friends and she lives in London and, you know, we have been friends ever since. But it, it took effort, it took a lot of time and I had to, um, I think, suppress some of, some of my natural instincts in terms mm -hmm. of behavior to not antagonize her and to allow her to see that I meant well. Right. And we became study partners. We were in the same group and work study group. And so we got to know each other. And, you know, I was her bridesmaid. I'm her daughter's godmother. I mean, we're, we're, we're that close. But it took, it took months. And that was really developing the trust. And then once you trusted. Yes. And I think there was a lot of anger in her. And I think she saw me as, I hate to say this, but she, she was, at the time we were like polar opposites and she didn't recognize that she had things going for her that I didn't have. She, she's an accomplished musician. She has a beautiful singing voice. She has been on television singing in, well, this is in Jamaica, okay? And so very talented um, and, and, and a pretty girl, but she was twice my size. So for her, it's like, okay, you're the little skinny thing, um, you know, sort of thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm large, but I can't sing for, to, to save my life okay <laughs> I'm not a singer <laughs> and so she had things that I admired and, and looked up to and I you know and I had given up on my music lessons and all the rest of it and here she is great grade eight you know going off to competitions abroad and all the rest of it and I'm in awe of her <laughs> But she just looked at me and said, oh, that's the pretty girl that everybody's after. I don't like her kind of thing, you know. And I'm like, oh, don't, that's not, that's not me. That's on the outside, you know. Mm -hmm. and it took a while for us to get to the point where we could actually merge as friends. Yeah, I, I can see, I can see how that relates to what Alan was talking about um, in, in terms of, in all relationships, our, our barriers are really, it's ourselves that puts the barriers there. Um, and so, yeah, I, I can see a, a sort of com commonality of that. As it, did anyone, I like to sort of start from problems because I think um, when you've got a problem, you, you're able to, to analyse that. Is, did anyone have any problems that they wanted to talk about? Yeah, actually, I, I had one that I was sharing with the group. Um, so I have a very good friend. We've been best friends for five years. And the last few months, few weeks, I feel like we are growing apart. And I'm not sure. Um, I feel like I'm changing, but she's not changing the same direction. And she's going through some things as well. And it makes me feel like she's 
less um, open actually towards me and what is happening with me. And she's less empathetic than she used to be. And I confronted her about it today that I felt like she was really insensitive towards me a few days ago. And it just really bounced off her and she just really didn't get it. And I'm not sure if I should try to um, have another go, like in a really structured way, explaining her where I'm coming from, what I feel, or maybe it's time that, you know, I just kind of like let it go a little bit and let it be a little bit loose of friendship and focus on other relationships in my life. This sort of relates to, um, we were discussing, uh, we sort of had a breakout room here in the, in the main room where sometimes friendships, people change and then the friendships change. Um, and so I think you, you have people in your life for, um, some maybe for the, for the lifetime, some for, for less parts. This it's, like as we change in different stages of life, um, our relationships change. Do you do you feel that, like where you met, and the friendship was at its strongest, are the situations, like the the situations you you and and her life, have they changed? Yeah, I feel like. Um we are in different life situations and I feel like I used to have most of my life, I wasn't conscious of it, that uh, my whole life revolved around my relationships. Like I was always in long-term relationships, but it just, I just had too much emphasis on in my life in relationships and those kind of things. And uh, I'm going through therapy at the moment and I really feel like something is shifting in me and I don't want to live like that anymore I want to have fulfillment in my life and then if I have a relationship that's great but I feel like she is still just literally like her mind is like all about dating and that's gonna fix everything and I can't relate to it and I don't know this could be one of the things but but otherwise she has so many good qualities um, as a person and when I got to know her but now I, I also feel like she's kind of going through some sort of midlife crisis and she's changing. Like, I think she used to be more compassionate, but she's not like that anymore. And I'm kind of puzzled. Have, okay. you, asked, have you asked her anything about her situation? Yeah, like we talk about her situation all the time, but, but you know, like when she feels down, you know, and she's, explaining telling me her thing you know i need to understand but when i say what is bugging me she's just brushing it off you know and it doesn't feel nice like yeah i think um uh, alan alan made a good point earlier on uh, about forcing the issue i suppose um it sounds like you you um, you reached out to try and mend the relationship, to find out what is wrong, to see if it could be salvaged. You know, if you could be close together again. It sounded like. Mm. Mm. And if she is, if she understood 
what you meant. So if it was a meaningful conversation where she really understood what you meant, but she still rebuffed and you know said, "No, I'm going my own way," then I suppose you can't you can't force the issue at the end of the day. You can only yeah. do it yourself. And if you are healing yourself, then you know you have to you have to go on your own journey, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so, yeah. But you you gotta be you gotta be true to yourself, I think. And um without um without without being desperate for other people's company. Mm. Which is again a point that Alan was making quite rightly. Mm. Um, you you gotta be comfortable. I mean, company will come, but um, mm. change change is good. Change mm. happens all the time. We can't have mm. we can't we were not the same people that we were when we were first born. We mm. grow and change as a person ourselves, and things don't stay static. Change is always supposed to happen in life. That's how better things come along. Mm. That's my belief, anyway. Yeah, thank you. Thank I was just going to say on the back of on the back of that is is that if they've left, then they weren't meant to stay. So if they've left, they were never meant to stay. So mm. as human beings, we we will look at things through the level of our own understanding, and the level of our understanding about anything, least of all somebody else i mean how, how much does any of us here truly know about ourselves probably not a lot and we're here to ultimately discover ourselves and and find out how we can interact with other people more successfully we more you know i'm sure there's some of us here that's got 10 friends i i have got probably about 10 close friends so i'm mm. not here because i'm lacking friends but i'm here mm. because I'm, I'm looking to get better relationships with the friends mm. I've got and better relationship with myself. Um, but, you know, nobody ever walked away if they weren't meant to stay. And what we're saying um, b before in regards to um, why people go, well, we don't know the answer to that because our level of understanding is, is absolutely minute and we'll try and ask them and they might not give us that answer. And even if they do, they might not give us an, an honest answer. And that's where the acceptance comes in. If someone's walked out, let you've just got to let them go and and move forward in your life. Because mm. your life is more important than them leaving. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think sometimes you need to be cynical and uh, just think to yourself, does this person take away more than they add? Mm. I know that I know that can feel quite harsh, but at the end of the day, we have a very short time on this earth, mm. uh, and our time might be even shorter than we think it might be. So why should you spend it with people that take away more than they give? I know that sounds cynical, but mm. you know I don't know. Mm. Also, I think that. Um... Friends come in different packages and fill different needs in, in, a, in a person. They have different purposes. And so I find as I have gone along, my friendships, it's almost like they 
alternate depending on what's happening in my life or their lives or if they need me if i need them depending on what's what's happening that mm. one friend will probably be closer at a particular point and mm. then another friend so it moves around but they're still all we're still all friends and also in my situation, I find that if my friends, I, I keep my friends separate in a sense. I don't try to make them become friends too. Mm-hmm. I don't force that. Um, mm. So when I'm with one friend, that I give that person my full attention. That's my friend. I'm dealing with you. Um, but I don't try to put two or three of my friends together and force them to be friends because I'm your friend, but also um, my friends, I, I go to different friends for different things. I get different things from, from different, from, 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 from each one of my friends. Mm. And Alan, you have a small group of people that you turn to, you know, most of the time. And also, I suppose there are layers of people who you reveal your inner self to some more so than others. So, you know, there are some who, okay, for example, there's one friend that I can talk all kinds of business professional related stuff with. And another one, that's not a conversation that we will have. We do the girly stuff, you know, the clothes, the hair, the whatever, and, and it's fine and it's brilliant and it's lovely. And another one we'll do the, the mothering stuff with. Um, and you can do all of those things with all of them, but instinctively you kind of know which one will give you what you need for a particular thing. Mm. And it's not that you love one more than the other. It's just mm. that they are better at different things and work with you in a way that works for you mm. with that particular thing, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I think it is difficult to make, to have one friend and expect that one friend, that one person to meet all your expectations and needs. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that is expecting a bit much. So it's mm. like, a circle of people mm. you can relate to. Yeah, I, I do have obviously more than one friend. Just this friendship is like changing so much recently that I didn't know what to make of it. Mm. Yeah. Was it just this incident or has this been going on for a while? Well, it's been going on for a while, but I'm just like, I'm really... I really appreciate all the input that I got, but I feel like it's just, I think this is enough for me. <laughs> I don't feel comfortable talking about it more. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's, yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted Thank to ask, uh, so, to do a podcast this morning. Um, I think it's called The Art of Happiness. Um, and it talked about um, friends and how they act as your advisors, but sometimes the advice they give you or the way they deliver that advice is not necessarily the way you expect it or want it. And it brought to mind a situation I had recently with some work issues. And I went to very um, 
three of my close friends. One, um, my best friend, who I've known for, um, I guess, 20-odd years. Um, my brother-in-law and another very good friend. And they all um, advised me, but in different ways. And this podcast talked about um, the different types of friends and the way they deliver advice. And one of them was um, somebody who sympathizes and agrees with everything you say. And I guess they tell you what you want to hear. Um, There's another one that is like gently nudges you. And then there's the other one that is just completely slaps you and says, just get on with it, you know, stop feeling sorry for yourself. So Um, I don't know whether perhaps the way your friend has delivered her advice is perhaps just not the way that you expected it. Mm. Yeah. In a way, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was also thinking that maybe it just, maybe I, maybe what she said, I needed to hear that. It just didn't feel nice. But as a relationship, it doesn't feel like a two-way street anymore so Mm. maybe you know those comments about that you know things are not um things are changing and change is good so i think um that has lots of truth in it as well and uh other thing that sandra said that with different friends we can talk about different things so maybe now that i don't have romantic relationship and i don't want to have a romantic relationship at the moment in my life maybe this was the main theme that we connected through with her and because her life is still revolving around that and mine is not, is not at the moment, it's not, um, it doesn't give us the same type of interaction. I don't know. Mm. Do you feel, and I'm asking generally, do you feel that in the times when you're single, that, um, you need more from friendships because the classic is is people get into a relationship and then sort of pay less attention to their friends or neglect the friendships yes i I think so I think that's true in to some degree um, but then uh it it i suppose it comes down to whether your friends can also um, because when you're single, you 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 tend to have more time on your hands, um, and when you are in a steady relationship with somebody, then that person is in your life all the time, unlike your friends perhaps, and they are obviously uh, demanding some attention from you. Um, I don't mean like a petulant child, but you know they they are there. They're your hopefully love of your life. Um, so you end up giving them a slice of the cake, as it were. And if you imagine your whole time as a cake, then you've given them whatever a slice of the cake, then there's that much less left for your friends. And so keeping the friendships going, you have less time to do that. It's easier if they're mutual friends, of course, because then you know you can talk about it. And if they don't know your friends at all, then it becomes even harder, I think, because then all of a sudden, why, who, who is this person you're going with? What do they want? And so on and so forth. And just to give you an example, my, um, my friend, and, and we are just friends, uh, she said to me the other day, uh, she said, um, 
So does this mean you know, when um, when when you hook up with somebody and you you know you you find a partner, we are not going to be friends anymore <laughs> because we do talk often um, and you know you talk about anything and everything really um, yeah. and, uh, and it's quite nice because you know we swap ideas and you know we sort of make each other reflect on our lives and things like that and um, we both find it <coughs> helpful but of course. If I suddenly found somebody in my life and, you know, I was then she's kind of thinking, so does this mean I'm going to kind of go this scrappy? And in a way, it, that, that's not true, but also at the same time, how do you manage? Because now you've got another person, so you're going to manage two relationships. And one of them is emotionally involved, whereas with friends, yes, you're emotionally involved, but friends, it's not that, it's, it's not a romantic interest. So it's, it's just, you know, kind interest. It's a different kind of, uh, closeness, if you like. Um, so that the, the, the romantic one perhaps trumps it a little bit, and then that kind of makes your friends feel second class, perhaps, which isn't right either, because they've been there for you all this time. How can you repay them with such unkindness? It may seem that way. Mm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, when I think, um, when, I, uh, when I was last working, um, I had two really good friends and it was because of the situation we were in and we were sort of in a, um, an environment that we weren't happy. We, we didn't, we felt we were sort of up against things. Um, um, and so we were very close and we'll still talk, but there, you know, we don't, um, because you don't see them every day. Um, you aren't in contact. You don't have as much, to say that it's only like when someone sees something. Yeah. And it's also, so there's the one, there's the element of the, the friends where, you know, like, you know, you have less attention. And so, you know, you're kind of more focused on your romantic relationship and, and you sort of may, some people may, you know, not, not focus on that as much, but then there's also the element of when you have, like when you're in a relationship, say you've been married or, or whatever for like 20 years and you have social friends, then that's very awkward a lot of times because people feel that they need to side and people lose friends at the end of a relationship. And it's kind of like they're settling up property, they're settling up belongings, but they're also settling up friends. Um, so what I think what we'll do is I think it would be better if we break out into smaller groups because not everyone wants to talk in the big group and not everyone wants, um, is, is, you know, gets a chance to, to talk. So I think it might be better if we, if we were, if we break up for a bit, um, not break up, but break up, break out into the breakout rooms. Um, so when, what I'm thinking about is it might be interesting to discuss like how, you navigate life changes. So changes from, of jobs, of going from being really close to someone to then being in a romantic relationship and, and not necessarily um, being, you know, having as much focus or even the, the fact that you change, um, you've changed, you know, like as we change and grow, certain friends, that were really important to us sometimes no longer and they start to grate on us 
or as or the other thing is when people are going through a breakup um that can be quite draining to their friends because they keep having the same conversation you know like i i, I had discussions of, of people will be kind of just want to talk about their problems just want to talk about what's going on in their life and not really have the time um to listen and talk to, uh, for someone else's so um i think if we, we go out we'll go into smaller groups to discuss that um and there's also some of the things that have cropped up have i've been um searching up some things that are, might be interesting um to share to to deepen the conversation so i uh, set everyone to we're gonna we'll recreate the rooms because there's new people um so do you, what do you reckon about 10 minutes uh time for sorry rob can you just repeat the uh summary please pal uh the like what was the discussion part yeah okay so it's basically about how do you navigate life changes? So changes of jobs, changes of relationship status, whether you've gone from being single to being in a relationship to being in a relationship to being single um, and where it's awkward, where someone was uh, friends or someone who's needing a lot from you at the moment and just wanted to talk about themselves and not so much interested in sharing, in listening to what's going on in your life. Did anyone have anything interesting to say in terms of navigating change and friendships? I'd say um, sometimes it's, it's, which is a relationship is a type of a friendship. Um, sometimes we've got to know how much we're willing to put in effort into a friendship. Are we judging that we like the amount of effort the other people are giving? or the amount of respect they give into the friendship, um, or when we draw a line and stop making as much effort or making any effort and grow, you know, and choose to decide to continue with a smaller circle or as I commented at, when I joined, um, you know, whether we decide to try and expand and grow more friendships. Some do naturally just by you know, whether you change a job and meet someone you get on with, uh, you know, or you start to go to a new gym, friendships, or whether you decide to try and, I wouldn't say force the issue, but you might say, I'll try a different gym. I'll try and go shopping somewhere different. I'll try and join some other meetup groups. So it's, I wouldn't say force is too strong a word, but whether you say you'll make some efforts to encourage, to grow other friendships as well as. Yeah, that, that brings to mind a, a question, and I think it's a question that people don't normally ask. And it's, why do we have relationships? Why do we have friendships? Well, relationships do bring something other than friendships. Uh, you know, there's physical contact and the rest. Um, and, you know, there's a whole number of elements that relationships... A relationship to me with a woman brings different factors than going for a beer with my best mate. I can go out for a romantic meal with a lady or I can 
go and get drunk or go and watch football with me. And sometimes that might be something I might meet a lady who has no interest in football. So, and that's an interest of mine. So there's hmm. an example. They may, they may fill some of your, what you want in life, what your, some of the missing jigsaw pieces might be a good phrase. But again, some of your friends and other family might fill in some of the other missing pieces, watching football, playing football, playing sports, some of your other interests. It, it, it's interesting. Um, what, you know, while everyone was in breakout groups, one of the things I was looking for was, um, I, I saw a graphic and it was basically said that a lot of people have problems in relationships and this was more geared towards work relationships but it was basically saying that you need 12 different people in your in your life and you need people for different basically different um things like some that will cheer you up some that will stimulate you someone that will inspire you you know some that will kick your butt um and some that are there to support you um but often we expect one person to, to fulfill all, the, all of those roles. Um, what's, something that I, could, I, I learned this in psychology years ago, and it's um, when I was looking it up, it was really hard to find. It's, it's not really been discussed, but basically it was Craig Hill did some research and they talked about four basic needs that we have relationships in. And when I'm talking about relationships, I'm talking about everyone that we're in relationship with, we're in a relationship. And then there's romantic relationships are like a specific subset of that. Um, but basically he talked about that. We need like affiliate, he called them affiliative needs and we need them for emotional support. We need them for stimulation um attention and social comparison so it's like we need other people in terms of like a um, a benchmark to know how we are in in relationship to them <clears throat> is that something you've ever considered that different relationships fulfill different needs that's kind of what i was saying a few moments ago wasn't it and um, yeah is in a relationship in the past where I felt she wanted uh, too much of me. She relied on me too much. And that's exactly how a family member commented, said she needs to be more independent. Or maybe more independent of me, maybe might be, um, might be a better phrase. It's, it's my understanding that said, I used to encourage her to liaise with her family and friends more. Because um, it's just, thinking I was her life. And like you just said, I want these certain boxes. I used to use that phrase often. My friend who I watch football with, he ticks certain boxes. My brother ticks certain boxes. And the right partner will tick boxes that they're unable to tick also. Mm. So again, you've just hit, you know, I've got, I'm trying to remember what the thing, but there's Maslow's hierarchy, which I think, was similar to what you was saying before. We have a number of needs. We have basic needs, where it's food, water, heat. I can't remember what levels there are, four or five stages of Maslow's hierarchy. Um, and 
hopefully you don't rely on a partner for the basic needs, but like you've just touched upon, you know, we want, we shouldn't rely on, uh, shouldn't rely on your friendships for everything and you shouldn't rely on your partner for everything. You need to find that right balance, I think, for both of them to work. But I have had just recently, even a friend who was texting a woman and he seemed to be getting a bit, oh, right, you've got a new woman on the scene, have you? A bit like, you know, I've had it in both ways where the woman gets jealous, you're in touch with your friends, and then vice versa, your friends get jealous that your, your attention and your time is getting a bit more diverted away from your friends. I think for me, um, I've never really looked at that breakdown of what I think, um, that definition of friendship. I think, but it makes sense. Um, overall, I think I look to friendships for, um, to share ideas, to learn, learn from my friends, to teach as well, share experiences. And I think also um, like a sounding board, but also as somebody that would tell me if they thought I was doing wrong or saying wrong. I'm not sure whether an advisor or disciplinarian, I don't know really is the word, but you know, it's, um, I see friendships as two way. And as Daz said, you know, you, I, I don't, um, I don't expect somebody else to be responsible for my happiness. I know that, you know, that's my responsibility. I think people can wonder what the purpose of friendships and relationships are if they keep on having really unhealthy ones. Did you hear that? Um, I didn't quite catch it all, but you, you said, I, I, I think, yeah, if you want to repeat it rather than me, butcher it. Okay, so uh, I, I think people start to wonder what the purpose of friendships and relationships are if uh, you keep on having unhealthy ones. Yeah, yeah. So we, you know, when things are going well, it, everything's fine, and it's only when, you, you know, when you start to hit roadblocks. Um, so, in terms of relationship problems, and you know, if we're talking about friendships, how much of them are due to our expectations, and how much are actually to the relationship? From my personal point of view, um, having been in a long-term relationship off and on for probably past almost 10 years, I know I've changed a lot in that time. And every time we've broken up, um, I've learned more about myself. And I'd have to say at the beginning of that relationship, um, I expected to sort of like the fairy tale you meet the prince, you're happy ever after and not realise that um, you have to work at it constantly, but also it puts a lot of pressure on the partner. You know, as I said, I've learned that I'm responsible for my happiness. You know, my thinking now is completely different. So I think sometimes um, the pressures on a friendship or relationship has a lot to do with what your expectations are going into it. Yeah, I, I, I think in all relationships, I, I think basically we have to connect 
or, or you love and appreciate people to the extent that they're capable of in that people um, we have expectations we, we want people to be certain things and they, they're not always capable or not always interested in living up to that and so we have to um, I think you have to accept people to the extent of their capability and willingness if that makes sense Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. And problems are really when we expect something that someone isn't willing or capable of. And instead of holding to the expectation, we should let go of the expectation and hold to the reality of, of what they want and what they can give us. Hmm. I think like um, Alan yeah. said earlier as well, sorry, just like jump. No, carry on. Um, like Alan said before, I think there needs to be like a level of compatibility even in friendships um, yeah. to some extent. Yeah, and I, and I think that, that, that compatibility changes depending on our context. You know, like when we change jobs, when we change relationship status, when we change life so you know when we have children and things like that I'm not um, completely sure it does I kind of hear what you're saying but say you get married or whatever you still have to find the balance between having social time and having time in a relationship what I mean by that is uh, friendships are most threatened uh, when there's life changes so some friends the the way that you would bond like it is um, through mutual goals well not even mutual goals but you might enjoy doing something um and that's the basis like the 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 glue that holds your friendship together or or in my instance you know like um when when we were working we spent a lot of time and, and, and we always had things to talk about but when you're in entirely different um situations and work and you don't necessarily have that then you're not going to be um, communicating as much. You're not going to have the same friendship. It's not, it's not that you're not still friends. And, you and I'm not... the same topic to talk about as much. Yeah, so the dynamic just... of the relationship might change. Yeah. I think Pete, Pete mentioned something earlier about a similar situation where he felt the dynamic in the relationship was that he was used to talking a lot and his friend used to listen a lot. And then when the, the dynamic changed there, it was like, well, what do we do with the relationship? Because we're used to the same pattern all of the time. Yeah. Is that kind of the same thing as what you're saying, but just in a different way? Yeah. I mean, it can be that, or it can be that someone's like, someone's become a parent and then suddenly everything they talk about is, is children. And they're talking about, oh yeah, no, I was, you know, the baby's doing this and my child's doing this and, and they have different friends. And then this friend that they used to do things that, you know, when they had a lot more time and were focused on that, then suddenly they don't really have the same things to talk about. So it, it can does be. Depend, does that depend on the relationship though? And the, cause I, I mean, I've got oh, no yeah. clue about any of this either, but is that sort of, you can have different levels of a relationship. In, in terms of a friendship with someone, it can be quite surface level or it can go to different levels. 
Yeah. And if it if it's just ones that you're talking about kids or something like that, it would be just like it wouldn't be a deep friendship, I'd guess. Yeah. If it could break down over just a subject topic. Yeah. Can I jump? Can I jump yeah. in? Because I've got a bit. I've had personal experience with this. If if I could say something. Because mm. um, yeah, quite a, quite a few of my friends now have had children, and. Um, I've remained in contact with all of them. It's fine. And yeah, you know, they're still the same people, but they're just a lot busier. But there was one friend that um, I, we were like best friends, actually. But her life changed so much. And I think also underneath it was unclear communication also. And I think, yeah, it got, it got a little bit, it, it became really hard work to be friends to continue to, to remain friends and um, the availability and where we would normally go out. And it was just, it was just her life had changed completely. And so, so had our relationship. It, it was like a different, it felt like a different uh, relationship it, because it was, there was another person in that person's life um and so it it's not the same as just going oh should we go out and have a drink or should we go and do this or do that but also you know her living um further away um but yeah I do think underneath it this friend had had um a history of being quite flaky anyway and when she had the child that gave her even more reason to to be flaky and I, I got fed up with it in the end so would you um, say that, in that inst- would you say in that instance that the relationship wasn't that strong to start off with in that particular relationship? Um, it was pretty strong. I think it's tolerating. I think it's when you tolerate stuff, like you, you take it and take it, and then it gets to a point where you're like, like it was my it was my fortieth birthday, and she'd arranged, you know, I'd arranged she'd arranged to come and see me, and because of that. I hadn't made plans like she come down she said oh we'll spend the, the day together and uh, we'll go out together and her partner would look after the baby so we could spend some time together and then um half an hour before she said oh I'm sorry I can't come you know and it was just and also I think like a day or two before she said oh I'm bringing my partner and the baby and it, it was just this flaky communication so yeah I guess it kind of came to a head to be fair you know the sort of like the unspoken and um, things that kind of annoy you um, and I think maybe just ultimately it just yeah um, after a while you just have enough sometimes you know I don't know if you can relate to that I, th- I think un- unreliability eventually destroys trust doesn't it yeah exactly you hit the nail on the head there that's mm. the word the trust had gone that's right yeah yeah, yeah. I mean I mean I, I mean I think in some respects and 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 you know, I mean, for me, a lot of my friends had children and families and my relationships, I suppose, with them did change and they moved away so that there's, there's, there's a lot less proximity now. So, mm. uh, you know, and, but, but in some respects, I, when I meet them and, and when we have sort of, you know, it's like four weddings and a funeral and stuff, when we all meet up, you know, they're like my family. It, it's as if I've never been away from them, if you see. And I know that if I needed anything, they'd help me. And I think they know that if they needed anything, I'd help them. But I don't ring them up all the time, I suppose. So it, they're no. quite friendships. And maybe the proximity was before, but was because we were all in the same city. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, but, you know, I suppose 
then that, like what you need, you know, your needs change, I suppose. And, and sometimes we've kind of been talking about this on and off tonight, but sometimes what you need from a friend, I mean, obviously if any of my friends who, who don't live in London, if, if I wanted any of them to be someone to go for a bike with, and obviously they're going to have to drive like 60 miles, aren't they, to get there, which, mm. so it's not a very good, so mm. <laughs> that's not going to work anymore, is it? So obviously yeah. my needs change. But I can't really say, well, you know, you're not my friend anymore because you've, you know, you're married and you've got kids and you live 60 miles away. You know, it's kind of like, mm. fr- the friendship just changes, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. With the unreliability, isn't it? If you're if you're kind of relying on someone to fulfil that need of a social life, you know, in some respect, I'm, I, you know, I'm not saying you haven't got anyone else basically to go for a drink with, but obviously, if you know, like for me, if if I want to go for a beer on a Saturday, and and I'm not doing it much at the moment because of COVID, then if I said to someone, "Let's meet for a beer," and I'm looking forward to that, and then they cancel at the last minute, I'm going to be pretty peed off, basically. Exactly. I think, um, like I let go of it for many years, the, the flakiness, like she's not my only friend. Um, but I think, yeah, when it just comes to my birthday and I just, it was just lame. It was just so lame. Um, and then I think it was just the plus the poor communication. I just thought, yeah, it just kind of, just kind of had enough, enough really. Um, yeah. but, you know, but um, like I said, I've got other friends that have got kids and, you know, it, that, it's fine. You just don't speak to them as much, but it doesn't, doesn't mean, doesn't yeah. mean anything, does it? People are just busy. I, I mean, kids do change you. And I think it's, you know, you've yeah. got responsibility, haven't you? So, you know, yeah. someone, someone who hasn't got kids, you know, I'm, I'm not bothered about being at home because I've got to look after a little person or get them ready for school or, you know, make sure they're fed. Or, I haven't got to worry about that. So I'm not going to, mm. for me, I just want to go out and get, you know, sort of horrendously drunk or whatever, basically. So, <laughs> so you know, your priorities do change, I suppose. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not there, for, but it's just part of life, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. You know, I don't hold it against them. No, of course. Else. I was going to ask people, like, because we haven't really spoken about social media as well. And, and when Rob was talking about this, these these needs that friends can satisfy, and I think all of those, more or less, could be actually be solved by social media, couldn't they? So you could still have friends that you met with online. And they could solve all of those things you mentioned, but there must be something else. Because I think human beings inherently are social creatures. Um, and I, I mean, I have got quite a lot of hermit in me, basically, but you know, you do, no man is an island, as, as they say. And I, and I suppose, but the, I think that there's some requirement in us as well, some sort of instinctual requirement for proximity. And I don't just mean like sexual proximity with sexual relationship. I just mean we need other human beings in contact, I suppose, in proximity. There has to be something, I don't want to call it an X factor, but you know what I mean? There's just something, maybe it just conforms to some sort of bestie allergy, I suppose, in some respects, but for that sort of society, you know, a, a, a group or a society. I think human beings need that as well, basically. I'm just Yeah, no, no, I think, uh, I think as a society, we've, uh, as a species, we've evolved from you know, around the campfire and, and learning to, to trust. And we, we um, chemically, biochemically, we need oxy, oxy, uh, oxytocin um, from each other. Um, there's a level, I think you can get it um, on social media, but I think it's, uh, it's, it, it's not as real. Um, 
maybe in time. Doesn't 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 that though? Because the thing with me is, like, I trust my friends like implicitly, and I don't have I don't have millions and millions of friends. And, and I mean, I have work friends and stuff on social media, but but my work friends, I kind of can get that because I do trust them, and it is it is real. I think. Can I don't I, know. I, I, sorry, sorry, can I ask when you say um, social media friends? These are hmm. actual people. Friends. Yeah, no, I mean friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Life. yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what so my friends who now don't live in London anymore, and I'm in contact with them on social media. I suppose I'm, I've never really been one for long telephone conversations. I suppose uh, it's just good to keep in contact with people. I suppose, isn't it? And you, you know, I mean, obviously this week I've been seeing all their kids again at school. You know, so, you know, it's interesting to see how they're getting on and see how their kids are growing up and stuff. You know, I, so. I personally use social media less nowadays than before, but. I, I use it to keep in touch. So I've done a lot of, um, I spent a year and a half backpacking around the world. So I met a lot of people whilst traveling and I also have family overseas. And mm. I set up Facebook, my Facebook page, when I lived in Hong Kong, I ended up working in Hong Kong for a while. And I used that medium to keep in touch with all my friends from around the world. And yeah. as you said, you see a lot, it, it, sometimes it's just, pictures being posted or what they're up to but it's just nice yeah. I just to stay in touch yeah, I, th I think that's that's one of the positive things of social media is that you're able to see an insight into their lives you know like people going back to school and, and across the world and different things happening you're able to you you whereas 10, 15 years ago, you would have no idea what they were saying. You might have a phone conversation and they talk to you. But I think that part of social media brings that home so that you you have an insight into what's going on with them. But that's only, it's only the highlight reel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, some, you, and also, and um, it's, and, and this, I think Pete really hit on something is that, yes, because there's the positive side of it and then there's the, the negative side in that um, uh, there's a lot of fakery in, in yeah. Facebook and Instagram. And one of the things, um, you talked about like trusting and, and things like that. And the real problem that people have in relationships is what they call frenemy. Um, it's not the people that hate you um, and it's not the, the people that are really close to you. It's the people that you're not sure about. So the person that you work with um, and you're not quite sure um, what they would say behind your back, that's mm -hmm. what, where really um, causes people most of their angst in relationships. Um, and yeah, they could, so they call it frenemy. It's because you're not quite sure. And I, it's the same thing, I think, in, in relationships. You want to put people in not be attached to which which category they're in but they're in yes no and um, but never in the maybe it's the maybe that gives us all mm. of our problems it's why people stay stuck in relationships because it's like maybe he'll be good maybe she'll change um and it's been clear of which they're in and i think yeah. i'm not i'm not really one for half measures though i mean i mean one of the things i was saying in one of the breakout rooms was that i i, I don't think i've ever had a, a friendship that's been affected by any life change i've got and I think that's because maybe I'm a little bit slower at making friends 
in, in the, but, but the friends I do tend to make do tend to last, to be fair. And I may not have really close relationships. I'm, I'm seeing them every week or on the phone chatting. But I really trust these people. And for me, trust is just everything. You know, if someone betrayed me or someone lied to me, I just, in, in my mind, I'm just, you know, then they would move into the category you're talking about, basically. That's the, that mark. You know, that, and I, I just don't tolerate that. There's no way I'm going to tolerate someone lying to me. No way. Can, can I just, um, sorry, off the back of what you said about frenemies and about, you know, what are they saying about, about you behind your back? And it's just like maybe ground. It's not necessary. I've just from relationship, a specific relationship that I remember observing some years back, not one of mine, but it's like the dynamic between them. It's like they've been sort of, I don't know if you can call them best friends, but close friends for a long time. Um, and there is this element of frenemy, even between, it, it's kind of, I don't know what it is, it's sort of like, there's almost, like really the, there's a bit of bitchiness and snipering at each other and, you know, there's casual put downs and it just doesn't seem like a, an authentic relationship or one that really brings the best out of them both. It kind of feels like a bit of a push-pull for them. Mm. I've seen I've seen some Which, some some female relationships. I have seen it in men as well, but in men I think it tends to be like workmate relationships. So it's not really clear like how close they are because it's just a work thing. But I've seen female relationships where women just seem to be like best friends. You know, literally they do everything together, and then suddenly they just it, something happens like the tiniest thing, and they just turn into like Cain and Abel. Basically, it, it's it's mental. As a guy, it's really difficult to understand how like one little thing can just completely turn all that love into hate. Basically, I just don't. But yeah, no, I know, I know exactly what you, you mean. You know what I think it is, Rob. I think it's almost like you said with relationships, with with romantic relationships. How sometimes people just stumble into these relationships, and I think it can be the same with friendships. People can kind of stumble into these relationships, and then it's kind of like almost like they're using each other. Um, and I think that's a type of frenemy, frenemy ship. Mm. I think, yeah, again, I think... See, they can seem like these really long-lasting sort of good friendships to a certain degree. Mm. Not good, necessarily good friendships, but they can seem like that's... I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. Do you mean that if people are... Because Rob was talking about what people need, and one of those things was um, like drive, someone who gives you drive. So I suppose if you have, if you like being around people who you're competitive with, then that's definitely a thing. Because, you know, so maybe you only like them for competing with, I suppose. No, but if there's casual put-downs, can you classify that as a real friendship? Well, if there's well, always well, the put-downs there and some always some of the male banter, better than you. Some of the male banter you see in groups, is some of it's bloody horrible, basically, some of the stuff I see. And, but they're good friends, but they just... You know, they play horrible practical jokes on each other. Really nice. Yeah, this is this is the sort of stuff Sasha I'm talking about. I think Sasha is talking about um, an uneven relationship, and some people use others to build themselves up. So they're always denigrating the other person to make themselves feel good, and that is not a true friendship because one party is yeah. always hurt. No, no, but sometimes it can be both of them are doing it with each other. Yeah, or both, but what they're they're both it's it's destructive. Yeah, 
they're yeah. not it's not it's um they're not supportive and what they're doing is probably one-upmanship games all the time but you know but sometimes it's almost as if they can be a bit they can be supportive with each other around some things to keep the relationship there as well at the same time if that makes sense but it just doesn't feel authentic at all i i think um i think alan said and i think Daz touched on it as well it's it's about um how secure you are in yourself about how um you like it, it how yeah how how solid how confident you feel how worthy you feel in yourself and if you don't feel that then you are using like in terms of these affiliative needs using other people as a benchmark and if you feel that they're doing better than you you feel that you have to um step it up um so yeah it's all i think it all relationship problems are really problems with yourself so i I think you might Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Sasha, I think you might be talking about codependency. Yeah, well, one of them is definitely a codependent of this relationship that I'm talking about. Yeah, and I, I think that some people actually do enjoy that conflict, and that is what keeps them together. Right. Uh, do they happen to be um, housemates or just... No, just long-standing friends that, that have been friends for a long time. I had a friend like that and I just cut her loose and it was a situation wherein um, she felt that she needed to get a dig in at me, not when we are, not when we are alone, um, but in public places. Like Where's a humiliation type of thing. Trying, trying to, yeah, trying and, and being a lawyer, you know, she's quick off the mark. She's very sharp and all the rest of it. So it's like if you say something and it's not quite accurate or um, it is you haven't said everything, she's going to jump at you to show to put you in a in a in a, in a comfortable situation, especially if she knows it's something that you highlight in the imperfections. Yeah, but not only imperfections, but sometimes things that you don't really want to talk about in that particular group. In, mm-hmm. You know, you may speak to that person alone, but in the group, you don't want to elaborate. But she's going to put it in such a way that you are going to be, you're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to look as though you are not forthcoming. And so you're less than, you may be less than being fully honest or something so you're at a disadvantage and unfortunately well maybe I don't know how you look at it but as far as I'm concerned if you are going to try to put me down and make me uncomfortable but at the same time you want to use me whenever you're miserable you're going to have me on the phone for three hours oh oh, me miserable my life is blah 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 and you are so such a sympathetic person and you're my best friend but yet you're trying to put me down i don't want anything to do with you i am done so i severed that you're out of my life she's tried several times to oh sandra merry christmas oh we're coming to london oh how nice have a wonderful time I don't want to know. I'm not going to be there because you are not going to make... Life is too short. I don't need you to make me unhappy. I can make myself unhappy without 
I don't need your help. So stay away from me. I think she's got the message now. <laughs> so, and it's her insecurities that she's trying to put on top on me and I will not bear she it. She needed to do the work on herself. Exactly. Work on yourself. I don't need your burden. That's the bottom line. <laughs> So did so did she did you talk to her? Did she realise that she had that effect on you? Because some people can do this and they don't actually realise. Well, she was deliberate. She has been deliberate. I can, listen. I, I'm sorry, but I will say this: women can be bitches. Women can be very competitive, and we need to un- accept it as for what it is, right? And I have known her for for ages, and um, we've come together in the UK and we gravitated towards each other as two Jamaicans, you know, blah, 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 the whole nine yards, knowing each other from, from Jamaica. Yeah, you don't want to be dealing with someone's envy all the time, do you? Exactly. This is the point. They're insecurities. I am who I am. And on a normal circumstance, she's a very confident woman, okay, because she's been, had very um, good jobs. So in her professional life, she's confident. But with me, it's all of a sudden it's a competition. Why are you competing with me? I'm not competing with you. You are my, I think you're my friend. Okay. And it's, I'm it's doing, nice, is it? I'm listening. I'm glad to have you as my com- compa- companion, as a friend. And then when we go into a, a, a situation where there are people around, you are going to try to make me feel as though I am not your friend. But when we are together, I'm your friend. It's, it's not so. I'm either your friend and you treat me with respect and I treat you with respect all the time. Or bye-bye. I, I, I'm, and I'm not having a discussion with her at all. I, in other words, I've, that's it. She's out of my life. Sorry, folks. <laughs> That's just me. I'm, I'm very. <laughs> I guess what, what I guess what Imogen was saying, and what did come across my mind is, is it at that point could you have said to have pulled her to one side and and said, you know, I really felt this way about you doing this before, and seeing her response to that, and if she responded well or if she didn't respond well. She doesn't listen. She's not one of those people who listen. You knew she wouldn't have responded well. No, I've seen her in action. I've seen her in action. I've had to talk her down for her reaction with other people. So I can infer from that, that she would deal with me the same way, if you understand, because that is, you've been through it with other people, with her. So I know her, her standard response and she would not want to hear. It uh, it sounds like she thinks she's um, superior than other people. Yeah. Yes. And then when she feels, when she comes up on somebody who is not taking it and um, I believe in myself. You're not going to put me down. It, it's maybe I was a bit of a hard nut to crack for her. So, so she was, I don't know, whatever it I'm, is, she's out. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure it's necessary because she, she felt she was superior to you. If she really felt superior to you, she just wouldn't feel the need to, to criticize you or humiliate you. Uh, well, I, I think it's more likely she felt inferior and she tried yeah. to put herself into yeah. that position. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a superior and an inferior um, yeah. at, 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 all together, I think. 
And mm -hmm. so it had, uh, there was an element of insecurity and um, I don't know, yeah, you know, all kinds of stuff, but yeah, so she felt. In, 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 terms, in terms of like the way guys operate, so I, I don't know if you're, if, if people understand what, the, what a wingman is or what you understand as a wingman. So, you know, a wingman is, is, is like your friend who, when you go and try and pick up girls or whatever, there's a sort of double. And quite often you see it that one will be the sort of more chatty one and they'll sort of make jokes out of putting the other one down in some respects. And it's, yeah, but we don't do that. No, no. And if you, sit, if you look at like, I'm just thinking of this as you're talking about it, but if you look at like, like comedy partnerships as well. There's generally always one who, who puts the other one down and the other one's like the straight man who's the butt of the jokes, I suppose, basically. I'm just, I'm, I'm, it just occurred to me while you're saying it, because it, it seems that the person's motivation in your case is that they're trying to make themselves feel, come across as better to other people by putting you down, basically. And I can understand why you wouldn't want to feel like that, basically, but... But in some, you know, in some in some respects, in some relationships, it, it can develop, and there's nothing nasty about it, I suppose. Well, I was the equivalent of the wingman for her for a lot, yeah, of, okay. a lot of times, okay, because right. she was she wanted a relationship, okay. I'm married, um, and I made that clear. So, but she was trying to date this gentleman, and um, he. He, he he was married and all the rest of it had estranged, but all kinds of stuff. But the bottom line was that I would be her, what's the equivalent of a wingman for a female, a wing girl? I don't know. A wing <laughs> Yeah, I, I was her wingman. It's, I would support her. I would go with her. I'm not interested in anybody else, but I'm there to support her and I'm the, I'm enabling, if you know what I mean. So I'm there. Um, in that, during, in those circumstances, she was fine. She was wonderful. Maybe because she needed me. So she had to be nice to me or she had to, you know, whatever. But in another circumstance where I'm, a, okay, I am gregarious. I am friendly. I am chatty. I will come into a room and I will talk to somebody. I, I have no problem with that. Okay. And but for her, I think maybe that was just a little bit too much because she was not quite like that. And so I would get into a lot of I'd have a lot more people talking to me and I'd be talking to a lot more people. And I think that was so. So in other words, to break that down is to put me down. Yeah, it, it would have worked better if, if, if she was It's envy. It, all it is is envy. She could see something in you and she didn't like it. She wanted to take it away from you rather than building herself up to the point of being able to do that herself and sharing that, that with you. Sounds like you're definitely better off out of that one, for sure. Oh, yeah, and it, <laughs> I have no regrets. And it sounds like she was just using you, really, you know? So good on you for like, not, not taking that crap. No. I, I think, with, I think with, at the risk of, of, of annoying all the women, though, I think women, because women are very open and, and in a way that I think men aren't, so I think you, you ladies, you do share your insecurities with your best friends. And I, so, so I, I, I think that women quite often do use those insecurities against yeah probably 
them against might people, happen. basically. Maybe even sometimes at quite a subconscious level, I think. I mean, no, it's, it's good to know that you can be vulnerable. It's there's a difference. I think there's a difference in, 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 in terms of your insecurities and how you share them. You tend to share those things with people who you have a genuine connection with and who you build up trust over time. It's okay. not with anybody. So that person, you feel secure that they will not use what they know about you against you. Okay? okay. My best friend, as I call her, who lives in Miami, we talk every day, we whatever, we send messages and all the rest of it. And back to what you were talking about earlier, the when Rob was talking about humans and oxytocin and needing, you know, and using social media. Social media, yes, keeps you connected on one level. But I can tell you, I we had not seen each other for 20 years, okay? And she came to the UK last year and spent a month with me last year, April. And when I met her at Gatwick Airport, we were in floods of tears. We could not part. We were hugging each other. People were just standing there looking at us. It was, it was just crazy because we had not touched, um, held each other, just connected and looked in each other's eyes for 20 years. You would not believe the flood of emotions that came, came through. And for the entire month, we were inseparable. We started to quarrel after a while, of course, that's what best friends do. But when she left, I'm telling you, mm. we were both, it was just, you just feel just totally deflated because it's like this other half of you has gone. And you talk and you talk and we still talk, but there is nothing that can make up for that physical coming together of, of, of humans, be it in a romantic relationship mm, or, as, or as best friends. As, a, as an aside, um, I think people you don't necessarily have to tell people what your insecurities are. They can sense it. If they're observant and if they're into you, if they really care about you, yes, they will sense it. Yeah. I agree. Or, even, or, or even if they don't care about you. Or yeah. the opposite, yeah. Mm. If they want to use it against you. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I think um, going back to... Um, I can't remember what it was you um, said, Sasha, but it reminded me because you've mentioned Stan Tatkin um, uh, a couple of times. And I think really when you're looking at relationships, um, it's really, like he says, it's really two people's nervous systems interacting yeah. with each other. And that's really what determines the uniqueness and the dynamics of what the relationship will be. Yeah. There was there was a study, and this was it was a romantic couple. Was it a romantic? I think it was a romantic couple, and they put them under um, a stressful situation, or that it was about to go to a stressful appointment or something, and they put them under a scanner, and the, they had three different people come hold this person's hand while they were under the scan. Um, somebody who was a stranger um, and a partner and they, I can't remember what the other one was but 
the stress levels were just like almost non-existent with the familiar person holding the hand while they were going into this. So it's just like even like kind of the, the oxytocin, but it's the stress, the, the nervous systems. One can soothe somebody else's nervous system just, just like that. Whereas if it was a stranger, it just wouldn't have the same impact because yeah. the trust is there and all the and rest of it. And also like, you know, Sandra's talking about if you're in a in that kind of relationship with someone where you don't really know where you are, what that's doing is creating the stressful chemicals. Yeah, so the anxiety and the yeah, you where you may it. yeah, you may be in like a, a peaceful state, and yet they're putting you on on edge. Um, and yeah, so it's it's all changing changing your state depending on the levels of trust and security and um, that you have with someone. So it's about recognizing then um, what influences or who um, is good for you, who, who makes you feel good, who is good for you as a friend. It, what I mean is um, how do you decide that this person is um, not creating stress in you and what to do about it? Um, even though on the surface you're supposed to be friends, you bear the label of friends, but you feel anxious, you're, you're not relaxed. Sometimes you get to the point where you don't really want to see, it's a kind of a groan, oh, I don't really want to talk to him or her. It's a, you know, you're, you're not glad to see them. How do you put all of that together and resolve that kind of um, interaction with somebody else? I'd say, like, you know, uh, somebody touched upon before, this compatibility. A uh, bit like a, it's a different, you know, it's just not a, it's a relationship to a different level, you know, rather than the opposite sex saying, well, I've got friends of, this, of opposite sex, to be honest. Um, but again, it's somebody who either helps you to grow or helps you to share you, share each other's burdens and problems. And either just to get them off your chest or helps you to resolve them or helps you to resolve them yourself by giving advice or their opinion. But as Imogen That's pointed friends out, are, isn't it? Imogen it, pointed it, out about codependency. So if you feel that you are dependent on the on the person in other ways, how do you resolve that? If well, it's bad I'm for you. I'm dependent on some friends and family, but I'm not dependent to, you know, I'd, I'd really miss some friends. I'd really miss some family and some friends. Uh, if I feel that I've upset them, I try to, certain friends, I try to resolve it uh, because they appreciate their friendship. Others, I'm not so bothered, although I'm bothered about most because that's the type of person I am. Um, but others, you know, like, right, well, leave it. I've, I've given up. I'm getting to the my last straw. But I just said, you know, there's a number of factors there where we say, you know, that's what friends do for you. They, they share your burden. They give you opinion. They help you. Quick opinion. A friend I was in hospital two years ago, and I don't know whether I dropped a hint, but I've been in hospital for a few days, and my friend was on day off, and he offered to, I wasn't incapable of driving, and he offered to come and pick me up from hospital. 
and sit with me because I shouldn't be left alone after coming out of hospital and just sit with me while we were both watching TV. So there's a friend, he's sharing a burden, he's offering help and at some point I hope to repay that. Six months later, he's running to Warrington, a 50 mile run and he texts me and says, any chance of a lift? But I will give you petrol cost. But he's saying, you know, I know you've got a car available. You know, here's where you could help me. He, did, he wasn't doing it for an exchange, but I'm just saying a few months down the line, that's how I repay the, fr the friendship. Give and take, isn't it? Yes. And it's the same with um, proper relationships, you know, that you intend to spend the time with an opposite sex person. You know, some people, it depends on, on what balance you want for percentages personally, because you could still have a 60-40 uh, friendship. I mean, it might be 60-40 one day and then the next week 60-40 the other way. But maybe it's wed. And I think Rob might have gone down that route personally a bit ago. And I've been in another meetup where it says, at what point do you draw that line saying, I'm sick of this being 80-20? At what point do you say, no, I've had enough. It's 80-20 this week, but it's never 28 in the opposite way. It's just always me putting more into the friendship and it's not a balance that I'm happy with. I don't think relationships should be that difficult. I think if there's an yeah. issue and you bring it up as an issue, it usually should get resolved pretty nicely. And if it doesn't, that's a bit of a red flag. I don't think really, I mean, obviously there's going to be problems in any type of relationship, but I don't think they're supposed to be that difficult. If they're that difficult, then I agree. If you're having to put that much effort into keep something going, then is it really worth it? I, I mean, I, I think, I mean, to, to sort of go back to Sandra's question, for me, I think space is quite a good factor. You know, I mean, there's an old, you know, there's the old thing about absence makes the heart grow fonder, but I, I'm a great believer that that if there is love there and trust there, then, then it, it will overcome, you know? And sometimes it might take a week, sometimes it might take a month, sometimes it might take a few years or something, you know? But, but good friends, I think, will always come back. And it's when they come back that you realise that they're good friends, I suppose, as well, basically. So, you know, I, I think maybe having a big showdown, sometimes you can force a settlement, if you see what I mean, and maybe put a full stop on something, which... Sometimes people just need to get their shit together, I suppose, basically. And, you know, and, and then I suppose if they have genuine security, like as Sandra said as well, and that's what's causing this, then, then that'll ID that. Because if they're being really horrible to you and you don't ring them for a week and they're suddenly like ringing you up in need, then again, that probably gives you flags, doesn't it? Saying, well, hang on a minute, what's going on here? So, I, any, any friendship should be able to, 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 to withstand a bit of space, I think, really. It shouldn't cause any problem. I think you. I, I think um, you can't be dependent on any relationship. I think you have to be interdependent, um, and I think you have to be willing to let go of any relationship, romantic relationship, friendship, even family. Um, and equally, you have to be willing to upset people. Um, boundaries isn't it yeah and it, it's like if you're if you're really focused on someone's like if you're really there for someone's so 
for example, friends generally give terrible relationship advice. And it's because, you know, someone's, someone breaks up with someone and they're upset. And so most people are like, they're upset. How do we stop them feeling so bad? And they go, oh, well, he, he was, he was a bastard. It was all his fault. It was, no, you were fine. You were, and where really um, good advice is like, okay, maybe what part was you? Um, let's not blame everything because you're not going to learn anything. You're not going to grow. And sometimes you have to be willing to like, is it really a friendship if all you're doing is making someone feel good about themselves? You know, like when it's not true. Um, and sometimes you have to challenge people and for their own benefit. So for example, many i don't know how if you felt this but many people feel stuck you know like life is a journey of evolving and we we want to grow and do different things but sometimes people are stuck because they don't want to lose the friendships because maybe they're going to be in a different um they they're going to make their friends feel more threatened they're going to not have as much time to spend with them they're going to feel like they're in a different sort of maybe social class or I don't know what, what you want to say, like how you say that. Staying in the friendship for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or changing who you are to stay in that relationship because, and, and not needy, wanting... isn't it? That's unhealthy, needy mm. and unhealthy. But so many people are scared to, to do something because um, it's going to change. And, you know, like people say, oh, you're fine as you are. You don't need to do that. Why do you want to do that? You know, wh wh why are you suddenly dressing different? Why are you um, doing these class when, um, you know, that's something that you personally want to do? I think a good way to tell whether you are codependent with someone is if you entirely uh, base your happiness or, or rely on them for you to be happy. Or rely on them for um, entirely for your positive mental health. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the the way I see that is is like you have to make you, the only person you can really know what you need and and, and um, plot your path and have any control over is yourself. And you have to. That's the bit that you have to focus on, and then everything else fits in as an you know like it will reveal itself how it fits in if that makes sense so that last bit again thing, rob then. sorry i didn't take that in so that last bit again so you have to make your your happiness your life what you know yeah, what's important to you yeah. that has to take precedence over every kind of relationship yeah yeah absolutely and then Honor the relationship first yeah yeah no it's it's not so much being selfish as sometimes you might outgrow sometimes it might threaten someone and, it, and it, okay that relationship's not going to uh, um uh, sustain it but you can't change who you are and, and where you're do what you're doing in life just because it means you might have to drop a relationship or not mm -hmm. yeah I mean, like, like you said about the, um, when we were talking about relationships a few weeks ago and, and you were sort of saying that for a relationship to go on for a long time, you need new shared experiences, don't you? 
So, you know, I've met a lot of my friends because of certain experience I've experienced with them. But then over the years, because we've stayed friends, we've replaced that with new experiences. So new memories with which to think about, basically. And hopefully it will happen into the future as well, you know. And, and I suppose it's, it's the same, isn't it? And, and, I'm, and I'm kind of thinking about, you know, when you make small talk with people at work, at work, obviously, you know, you, 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 I suppose you have to talk to people sometimes that you don't have a lot in common with. And maybe sometimes there'll only be like one thing you talk about. You know, it might be, I don't know, like something that you'll always have a bit of banter about. And like, like that's the only thing you ever say to each other for like 10 years that you work in a place. Obviously that relationship doesn't need to move on, does it basically? But a friendship, you need, you need new shared experiences, I suppose, to keep it fresh. Unless, unless you had such a really strong, momentous thing that it's just... Because sometimes you can have that as well. Like maybe if you go travelling with someone and you have like, you know, you almost get shot by Colombian gorillas or something, basically, or, you know, and, or, and you overcome that, then maybe that would be enough to carry you through because it's such a, such a strong experience. I agree with you there, Pete, and that's something I used to say to one of my exes, saying you ain't going to be invited on nights out, meals out, Christians, weddings, if I spend seven days a week just in your company, yours and yours own, is, is a summary of it, said, because from mingling, people will invite you either on just lads' nights or couples' nights or to future occasions. So I was saying it's good. And then it also generates conversation. I go to play pool for a pool team in a pub. Then you've got something fresh to talk about. Oh, so-and-so's just been on this holiday. Oh, I'd like to go there rather than, oh, what have you had for dinner today? I said, it's more interesting conversation by mingling with others and learning, you know, and giving ideas. I said, it's good for a relationship. And I printed off something off about four years ago. So I'm kind of going down the route saying, you know, it does keep things fresh and keeps things creative. They might say, oh, I've been to this restaurant. And you could say, oh, I didn't know about that. Why don't we go sometime? So it allows you to grow, I would say. By... And also to miss each other as well. Like having, I think um, someone said earlier on, you know, needing space. Like keep, it keeps things fresh, doesn't it? It's, it's, you know, it's important. It's like refueling yourself. Uh, it might just you know it might fuel you both to say yeah exactly you've been to pool i've not seen you for one night even if it's again if you took it to another level and you went on a a lad's weekend away you know i meant as in abroad oh, i've missed you for three days yeah i've missed you too but mm. and i possibly might have read a poster a bit ago is it's better to be with someone that encourages you to go and enjoy yourself mm. owns at you for to go and do things that you want to do mm-hmm. yeah to they moan at you when they're going spending time away from them rather than encourage you to enjoy yourself and get get you to who you are is possibly going back to maybe what maybe rob might have said earlier to say don't change yourself too much and you know people comment and go oh you never seem to be you're not you anymore. Along that line, anyway. Yeah, other people define you by 
the picture they have of you. But there's a thin line between um, evolving for yourself and evolving to please another person. And it's to recognize which one is about you and what you're, and the other things that you would do to, um, to please the other person. And I think um, there are some things that you can do to please others um, without um, betraying yourself. But I think you need to be true to yourself and understand that if you're doing something that is not you, you are destroying a part of you by not being yourself. And you, I think the first responsibility you have is to yourself to be the best that you are. And that means um, the things that will make you evolve into a bet well a better you. If if it's not agreeable to who you're with, then you really should take stock of that relationship because it means that you're going to be shortchanging yourself to hold on to that relationship if it's not pleasing to the other person. Because sometimes we 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 we, we change or we evolve. And the other person can feel threatened by it because you become um, more than what they bargained for in terms of what they need to. Um, and it's not that it's a threat; it's just that they it might make them feel insecure that they are not they are not good enough anymore, mm. and that they need to also do something to up their game, and so. Um, what is it and that they are being forced to do what they they're not they don't really want to do because they're yeah. comfortable where they are we all need to check our own emotions don't we and how we feel about other people and the things that they're accomplishing and whatever or their you know what's going on for them in their lives um and i think it, it does need to feel empowering like that it's it's creating sort of this feeling of like yeah we can grow with our life and not a feeling of you need to stay where you are and never make any progress. I think also you, uh, if you try to be the best person, the best, best version of yourself, that can, uh, a beneficial effect of that can be that other people then try to be the best version of themselves. Sounds quite idealistic, but I, I don't know if you know what I mean. I don't know if I've, explain myself very well there. I think that's what Alan, Alan is definitely, would definitely agree with that, I'm sure, basically, because he says, <laughs> he says very similar things. Oh, well, you, you need to give me five pounds for my opinion I'm, on that. I'm listening to you, Alan, I am, it's going in, <laughs> mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a scouse guru, you know. <laughs> um, Sasha, what did you mean by, can you clarify what you mean, meant by what you just just said if, if that's okay. About it, something it should feel empowering. Yeah. Um. So say like, oh, let me try and think of a really sort of daft example. Say like you've got a mate, right? You've both got the same job. You're both in the same position, and he's happy. He's comfortable in the relationship as long as you're not progressing further than he's progressing. Mm. Now, if you a relationship we should all empower each other if something's good for somebody else we should help pick them up if something's good for us you know friends should help pick us up you know it shouldn't get to a point where you know oh they're doing better than me and then they can't we're not checking our own emotions 
Yeah, well, you're making a really good point. What you're actually talking about there is something called control. So when somebody has more than somebody else, um, be it money or power or prestige or whatever, then that puts that person in a place of being able to control somebody else. So especially within the likes of domestic um, violence or domestic abuse relationships, there, there'll be an element of control. And control is often formed by pulling the other person down. They don't have, the other person doesn't necessarily have to have more money or be more successful. In many ways, they will probably be less successful. Most likely, they'll probably hate themselves. But in order to big themselves up, they will then call names, you know, do all, do all sorts of derogatory behaviour to ultimately gain control over that other person. And that can happen in, in friendships because every relationship, doesn't matter whether it's sexual or, 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 or not, that, you know, that's by the by. A relationship is a relationship. And, you know, it's up to ourselves to do our part within that. I like to say the, the, the phrase of what's my part in this? You know, because people will always say, oh, she's done this or he's done that. But they don't, they're not quick to tell you what they've done themselves um, because they, they don't want to accept any responsibility. But on the other side of that is we can't be responsible for changing other people. You've got no power whatsoever. So for the likes of ourselves, where we're coming on this, we might come away completely enlightened, amazing people. And if we've got friends, family, lovers who aren't that way, well, there's nothing that we can do to change that. Because if we did, then we would be exerting our power and our control over them and then turning into that very thing that we're trying not to be. Yeah, no, I understand that. I'm just basically saying it's a good way to gauge and to use as a marker in relationships to know whether the other person is... is, is um, really empowering towards us or not, or whether they're only happy with the relationship as long as we're not progressing. If that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it does. I think. I think that. I think I, I wanted to mention the the, the good old green-eyed monster jealousy here. I think that's another thing that obviously you wouldn't expect a friend to be jealous of another friend. So you know, like if they had got a better paid job or something. You know that a friend should expect another friend to be happy for them, shouldn't they? So I suppose that you know there's a kind of element of jealousy there. I think if if, yeah. if someone's controlling yeah. someone because they don't like the fact that they've got something else, then that's not a good. But friendship. we're all we're all human as well. At the end of the day, and we we could all experience that jealousy. But what I'm saying is, at that point, it's whether the friend is is or ourselves are dealing with that. We're checking our own emotions, and we're not passing that on to other people in a negative way does that make sense if, if it did come up because that, you know we're all human we're all going to experience jealousy at some point over something or other it's whether we can check our own emotions and make sure that's not being you know harming anybody else whether, whether it manifests into behavior is what you're saying yeah 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 i think people people aren't always right about what's best for another person though people aren't always right about what will empower someone else uh, but i guess what you're saying sasha is they need to be their heart needs to be in the right place yeah and i, yeah, I think the the main thing i was pointing at is it's, it's a good gauge to know whether 
somebody really wants good for you or not or is it just to do with their own emotions how far you get with your own progression it also i guess it depends on what you class as empowering because um so one person to, to, that, to progress to always to be able to always grow and to progress in things in any in what, way shape or form whether what, that be in emotionally mentally um you know in in monetary in all any in your job in absolutely all aspects of your life i think um, now going after you I was just going to say, um, in terms of like, um, I know everybody doesn't have the same relationship with family members. So if it was to say the word mum, the word mum would mean something different to me than it would to somebody else. But for me, what you've just said there, Sasha, is a really good point because my mother wouldn't have um, any qualms whatsoever about any successes that I had. So... If I made a load of money, if I had a load of friends, if I was well-liked, if I was extremely popular, she would be happy with whatever positivity I had in my life. And I can't say that all of my friends would be, you know, would feel the same as what she does. Um, yeah, a lot of them would, the majority would, but not all of them. Um, but I do agree with you. It is, a, it is a good gauge because really a true friend should want the best for you because if they're not then that, that produces envy which is negative it produces jealousy which is negative and if you are a true friend why would you want anything negative you would only want positivity for someone who is supposed to be your friend I, yeah. I, I think there's um, sometimes people some of the worst you know I talked about people give the friends sometimes give the worst um, relationships of advice and it's because, and, and parents are often guilty of this, because they have an idea of what's best for someone. They're trying to push people into, like, you should do this career, you should do that. And they're like, I hate it. I don't really don't want to do that. I really, this is like my dream. And I think um, in that combination of, of what Sasha and, and you, Alan, have said, is, is that it's about growing but it, then it's also about letting go of the control so that people can grow in their own, in their own direction. And it's the willingness to let someone make mistakes, to let someone go through what you think might cause them pain in order to follow their path. Um, and just to pick up on what you said, Sasha, I, I wrote years ago about, something and and um I, the idea i was trying to get across was we have a cut you know companies are all worried about carbon footprint of the pollution that we create but when we don't deal with our own emotions we create emotional pollution um and so much of our interaction and our relationships are framed on the basis of we're not able to deal with our own emotions and so we pass that on to others yeah, sort of negative energy seeping mm. out. Mm. Um, that, that, was... that's called a, it's called emotional transference, isn't it? Mm. Like reaction formation. Isn't that when you sort of, you know, when you, 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 you act like you hate someone else when you don't really, but it's you dealing with being unable to deal with your emotions? Sorry. Yeah, yeah but, but in whatever we do, so, so like um, it may not 
be direct from the relationship, but I've had a bad day. So I come home and I'm snappy and, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to the shops and I'm like rude or whatever. Um, and that in that way that then, you know, has a, a toxic effect on someone else. And so this whole spread of like, if you look at the problems in the world, they're basically problems of not being able to deal with your own, own emotions people grabbing power, people greed, all of these things are because we don't deal with our own emotions. Something I just wanted to say as well, um, based on what you mentioned a second ago, um, about friends not being good at helping you deal with relationship problems. I saw somewhere, I think it was on a TED talk, that that's one of the... Um, one of the deciding factors whether you'll get divorced or not is if your friends are, if a lot of your friends have been divorced or not because if that's your way of your whole social group's way of relating to things you know it's going to impact you because you all have the same sort of views you share the same sort of advice with each other and how they dealt with it they're going to share that advice with you and yeah like what you said but it was it was that if you're, all of your friends around you have got bad relationships or are getting divorced, then you're very likely to be exactly the same because of the role models that you have around you. And it, and it becomes a norms. I was just going to say, if you sit a wise man down with fools, he becomes a, he becomes a fool. If you sit a fool down with wise men, he yeah. becomes wise. So you're making a good point. And, and we all feed into the energy that's that's around us is, is is what the message is there. So people will more often bring you down to their level than you you know the, the successful person lifting those below them up because because of the negative energy that you know it, it, negativity unfortunately is infectious. That's why when you go into the likes of offices, you get a lot of gossip going on and gossip is, is negative isn't it you know yeah. it's, 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 it's also infectious as well so there yeah. is a flip side so there's yeah, also yeah. a herd mentality that we have to be aware of yeah definitely i think sometimes it's uh, unintentional though um certainly when i have talked to friends about um my divorce and all that i called sense in the way they were talking to me their emotional baggage from their own relationships so when they were sort of relating back because i knew the history of some of their um, uh, breakups straight away i could say well what you are telling me is actually laced with your own problems um, and they weren't saying it with malice but it was almost like they were reliving their problems again and kind of saying, yeah, well, you know, I couldn't do it, but you do this kind of thing. And he's like, well, actually, that my situation isn't the same as yours, uh, so I'm not going to do that. But um, thanks for the advice anyway. So you're right in that um, you can get bad advice, but you also have to, I think, have a responsibility to try to step back. And it's, it's not easy if you're emotionally compromised, but to step back and look at the situation and say, well, is this actually right for me? You know, where does my, where does my moral compass point? Um, it's not so easy. I think so, one has to go back to the whole, um, at the beginning when we were discussing um, 
different friends have different roles in our lives. Yeah. And sometimes you have to choose who you um, who depend on for advice for a particular thing. Because as you're saying, if, if, you, if your friends, if a couple of your friends have had bad experiences, that, the, that is the lens that they're going to be looking through and giving you advice. Whereas you might have other friends who have had more positive experiences in terms of dealing with a similar problem to you. It could be divorce, because um, you do have people who have good divorces. I think I will, I will probably be one of them, uh, hopefully. I'm hoping. <laughs> um, who are, they'll give you more even-handed advice that is probably uh, more helpful to you in, in terms of dealing with it and not coming out totally traumatized at the other side. Because sometimes when people give you very strong and very, um, I don't want to Polarized, use it. I suppose. Uh, yeah, but it's to get back at the other party and the whole nine yeah. Yeah. It poisons everything and you come out less than what you could have been if you took a more even-handed approach. And those friends who support you with that are probably the ones that you should seek out uh, more than the other ones. Or for me, I find sometimes, sometimes I have to take myself back. No advice from any of you because it's all going to be not what I want here and I will deal with it myself. <laughs> I suppose the point I was making is that sometimes it can begin with good intentions, but you just have to be aware of that um it, it's not the right one and you know you, you are responsible for your own life at the end of the day and you have to try and be careful you know you make the right decisions but sometimes you're, you're really traumatized and you really need support that's that's the thing and i, th I think that is where um this you know who do you trust who can you really trust who can you depend on really comes into um into the picture because there are lots of things that happen and, and you can handle it. A little support from your friends is, is, is good. But if you don't have much, you still can manage. But there are certain things that you really, really need your friends to support you and, 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 you know, and, give you, and give you that helping hand. And it's, I don't know, how do you decide who is, who is the best person or the best set out of them? The, the only problem with advice, which goes back to something I was saying earlier on, is is looking at something by the level of your own understanding, which is which is very limited. In life, we will often make the mistake of of judging things by what we see, but the problem doesn't necessarily exist from the things that we can see. The problem is existing from the things that we can't see. Now, if we're going to somebody who we're providing a story to, so the story is this person's done A, B, and C, what do you think I should do? That level of information is even less than what we have. So we're giving them even less advice, than, uh, information, sorry, than what we hold. And then we're expecting to get an answer from them. Now, for anybody who's experienced any sort of counselling or therapy or anything along those lines, the therapist would never go, right, okay, this is what's going on for you. I think you should do this. They never do that because it's up to the person who is experiencing that to receive that, to, to kind of work it out for themselves because they're the most 
informed. So from what you were saying there, Sandra, about going to the right person, you mentioned something really crucial, which was emotional support. And a good friend should be there to provide you with that emotional support. You know what? If it takes six months, if it takes six years for you to get through whatever it is you're going through, whether it's grief, loss, you know, a, a job loss, relationship breakdown, whatever, that's what a good friend should be there for. You know, they're not just there for the good times, are they? They're there for the bad. It's no different than when you when you get married and you and you read your your vows in church, and uh, for sickness and health and and whatever it says, you know they're there to provide emotional support because you can't give advice because if that advice is wrong, you can turn around and go, well, I'm gonna make I did what you told me to, and it's even worse. And then how's that friend going to look? So it's it's a hard choice to make. I think also um, for a friend. A well-meaning friend doesn't, doesn't, doesn't mean to give bad advice, but I think when you talk to your friend about an issue you're having, they're having to um, contextualize it. They're trying to draw a picture on the information they've given, and the only way they can frame that is to use their own experiences. And so when you were talking about going through a bad divorce or a good divorce, um, it's 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 ha they're having to contextualize it or frame it using their own personal experience. So it's it's you know it's it's all well-meaning, but it's not necessarily the right advice. And I I agree with Alan. You know the therapist will you never get an answer from a therapist. They'll just keep asking questions. You you only only use, you yourself can have can give the answer. You can get opinions from friends, but at the end of the day, you have to judge that advice information that your friend is giving you and what does your gut tell you you know i was i was speaking earlier about an issue i had with work recently um and i've ended up leaving this job um and i spoke to very three friends friends that i really trust their opinion on and they all gave me different directions to go with but at the end of the day it's what my gut was telling me uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that's very true. I think, I think we need, we can't see our own blind spots. So we need either a process like Alan's talking about where, where someone can guide us through to, to work out our own thoughts, but sometimes we also need different perspectives. And I think we can, if we can get lots of perspectives, but not give too much value to any one of them and just use them all as ideas. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's, the way that we can find our our path yeah it's kind of like uh, i'm not sure who said it earlier but it's kind of like um we i think it was you robbie who said we don't always know what's best for the other person um and he said it's not necessarily about us deciding what's best for them but helping them work out what is best for them and supporting in what choices they make hmm. And just off, off the back of what um, was just Sheila just said then um, and what Errol was saying, um, it is sometimes, you know, not it's, it's from a good intention, but when we're in, in circles of people dealing with things the way they have and passing on that advice in the way that they would, would have dealt with it, 
unless we have knowledge or awareness of, of that, it's, it's very, it's almost impossible not to then fall into the same trap. And it is better to be in, in a group of people that have um, the stay in power in a relationship because then you're all working together and supporting each other in the right way rather than, you know, this isn't good enough and whatever else. I think, I think one of the frailties of decision-making for certain people is that, that as well sometimes... You know, and this is kind of flipping slightly what I think Helen said, is that sometimes people don't want to make the decision. So they want they, they kind of almost want to shift the responsibility onto someone else. So by asking someone for advice and then following that advice, they almost remove their own responsibility. But then if it all goes pear shaped, you know, and, and and I think maybe I've been guilty of that sometimes in the past, you know. So sometimes obviously therapy's good, but sometimes it's actually good just to even to like flip a coin, basically, and and, and this if something comes out, then just see what your reaction is to deciding that you're going to do it that way. Sometimes but if you had that, that support, but if you had that support in the decision making, and you had someone asking you the right questions, and you yeah. know helped you look at, but oh, this is the pros and cons of this one. This is the pros and cons of that one. It'd yeah. be easier to make that decision, wouldn't it, and to take yeah. responsibility. And a good friend will also say, you know, you need to make the decision. That's part of the thing, basically. And then yeah. they will, they'll say, this is not advice. But, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to make the decision. So they might say, well, I'm they might actually slow you down sometimes. So they might yeah. say, well, I'm not, you know, don't make this decision now. You know, maybe try and give it three days and have a think about it, you know, something like that. So, so sometimes it's about how they control your emotions, isn't it, I suppose, to put you into the best place possible for you to make that decision as well as the actual advice and guidance. It's sort of shepherding, isn't it, I suppose? Well, they'd be guiding you on your emotions at that point, wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. You know, like, you know, you know, like I mean, I don't know if anyone's ever been thrown out of a nightclub, but that's a classic example, you know, like you're, you're drunk, you're, the bouncer hasn't let you in or he's thrown you out, you're really annoyed, you know, you just want to go there and like, you know, and your friends are like, come here, you basically, you know, you think you're in the right and basically you just need to go home basically. And that's, that's the thing, you know, but whereas you could say like a good friend will back, will back you up when you get in that fight, isn't it? But it's best not to get in the fight, is it really? You know? Yeah. So, bit blindsided by wanting to have fun this kind of perfect image you've got in your head of how everything's going to work out and it just doesn't always like pan out that way does it no like i think like uh, uh, my mum bought me a fridge magnet which says life is all about how you handle plan b but i think it's very true really you know like so, so we always have these plans and schemes and occasionally they work out but most of the time they go wrong but you can you can morph the what happens into quite a quite a good result sometimes and sometimes you can even find something better i think basically it's just a lot of it is just you know we've, we've been talking a lot tonight about keeping a positive mental attitude you know and being the best version of yourself that you can be and that's the thing to do isn't it if you can kind of control those negative perceptions, then I think you can you can do quite a lot, really. Expectation is to do an as well, Rob. No, Pete, sorry. I'm my own worst enemy. I mean, I'm very guilty as well of doing the emotional transference, I think. So I am, I, you know, I can get quite angry sometimes. It's the spot in me. 
you know, and, and I, I've had to be, one of the things, because I've been going through quite a lot of therapy as well, one of the things I've, I've kind of had to realise is that I need to stop taking my anger out on other people. Perhaps that's one of the do, things that... Do you know what I learned about anger recently that I found really interesting? Is that mm. to know that when you feel angry, it's because you're fighting for something. So if you, it could be, you know, it could be something good that you're fighting for, not necessarily, it could be just some selfish want that you're fighting for, but to know that when you feel angry, it's always because you're fighting for something, even if it's like fighting for not being harmed or fighting for um, justice or, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a negative thing because anger can drive you to do something good. Yes. Um, but yeah, I found that really interesting to know that there's, you're always fighting for something when you feel angry because it helps you identify why you're angry in the first place. My experience of anger is slightly different in that most of the, the people that um, I've worked with who have been extremely angry have also been extremely afraid. So they're using that anger as a way of hiding behind fear. So if you think about... Um, most of the people who get angry uh, tend to be, you know, I'm talking about angry quite so quickly. They might, be, they might be fighting for safety at that point or fighting for feeling a sense of safety. Yeah, which is essentially yeah. the isn't it? Yeah. Emotional transfers. Isn't it? Yeah, I, I, think, I think basically the only emotion we have is fear. There's, there's love, happiness, and then it's the degree of fear that we have. So I've, I agree with Alan that I always look at fear as being the oxygen to anger. And I think, I think what, what it is, is like when someone's angry, I think anger can be positive as well in, in a certain context. So, for example, when someone's getting over a breakup um, and they're in despair, and yeah. despair is like there's no hope, but anger is that bit where it gives you the energy. And then if you can use the anger and then recognize that fear is at the core of the anger and what am I afraid of? And that, and so when you're talking about fighting for something, Sasha, I think what you, what it is, is you're afraid and you're fighting. It's like someone's drowning you and you're fighting for air. You're fighting um, to get whatever it is you need so that you can get out of the fear. That's interesting. It's definitely something to, Give thought about. It's, um, it's... Sorry, Alan. I was just going to say, I mean, on, on, on the back of what you were saying there, Rob, just before my battery dies, um, it's my, I've kind of made it my own personal philosophy to kind of, in, in as many ways as I can, to remove fear from my life. So, like, for example, yesterday, when I went on that walk, um, I, I wasn't in any way afraid. Um, and we think of fear, a lot of people think of fear as shaking and thinking that you're going to be attacked and all the feelings of anxiety. I don't mean it like that. I mean, even on the small, even just on a very, really, really small scale of making a decision, you know, should I go to the shops or no? I don't think I'll, I'll bother because I'm feeling quite comfortable here. Comforts can be, can be quite dangerous to us I see comfort is dangerous sometimes not always but sometimes it can be dangerous it's comfort that will keep people in the house and not make them want to leave the leave the home sometimes and produce that level of anxiety and anxiety is fear anxiety exists in everything that we do as, as human beings there's a lot of fear out there especially with all of this 
COVID-19 business, and I'm being polite by saying the word business, um, it's, you know, there's a lot of fear out there. I'm, I'm, I'm working with a lot, you know, away from the NHS and work with a lot of patients who have been very, very afraid. And they're afraid, and yet absolutely nothing has happened to them. So that fear exists. People are easier to control when they're scared. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So if fear is, is control, then you've got to, well, I certainly ask myself, well, how much am I being controlled by the levels of my own fear? What am I, you know, what blessings am I denying myself by, mm. by being afraid? And I've, I've done, I've been doing that for the past couple of weeks. And I now genuinely feel like I've got an emotional field, of, like a force field of protection around me. Like someone sent me a message the other, the other day, which a couple of weeks would have absolutely floored me. It really would. And I looked at it and it was just like watching a, you know, a, a fly buzz past the window. It didn't mean anything from an emotional level. So it is definitely working. I'm, I am in its early stages, but that's kind of where I am from. Um, trying to go forward in my life just by trying to remove fear in whatever way I can. But fear um, and the unknown are, I suppose, cousins, brothers, I don't know, siblings, whatever. Um, and fear, in a sense, if you recognize that it is, that it is fair, um, you... And it's it's based on not knowing. If you are able to, I don't want to use the word investigate, but look at your fear and begin to understand what underpins it, then that takes away a level of the unknown. Because in many respects, we have fear based on not knowing. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. And the more, you, the more you go, the more you should be able to 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 deal with that fear, to to manage that fear. But even well, if you don't know, that I think even if you don't, you know, we're not always going to know. And I think it's important to. I think I know I get trapped in in trying to know, and some things we're just not. We can't know the future. Um, no, no, no. Think, I'm not saying that you that you will know the future. But what I'm what I'm saying is part of my. Um, saying what what i'm saying is that just the mere fact of acknowledging that there is fear that there is a level of not knowing that is knowing something that is recognizing something that mm -hmm. is giving you some power that's what that's what i'm talking about not necessarily um finding the solutions or or pinpointing various things that are are causing it but being aware, like Alan is, he's saying he, he's aware and he's understanding that fear underpins a lot of things. That in itself... What is I'm actually saying is, Sandra, it's not a, I'm not saying that fear underpins a lot of things. I'm saying that fear is a negative control. Just to be clear on that, I'm saying fear is a negative control. Um, and I'm by removing fear, what I mean by that is not being afraid of anything. Yeah, but my argument is that in order to remove the fear, you have to have an understanding of what the fear is. And no, no. Then that's how you remove the fear. You can't just remove fear like that. You have to have a basis to remove it. You can't, you, because saying. you can't replace 
because uh, if you look at theory is a negative, okay, and everything has got to have some substance. So you you're right in saying that you can't just remove fear because then you'd be left with a vacuum, and a vacuum is an empty space, and we can't have empty spaces. So what I've done is I've replaced the fear with faith. So faith is exactly the opposite of fear. So if we look at if we rephrase the word fear and turn it into the word evil, evil spelled backwards is is uh, live. So live. Do you, do you do you mean then to say that uh, fear is the opposite of love? I mean, I think there is a song lyric that says fear can stop you loving and love can stop your fear. Yes. Yeah. So another, so, so another word for faith is love. So you're saying that you don't we'll do need that. to understand the reasons for your fear. You just um, replace it with faith. That's what you're saying. Yeah, because the, 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 the depth you'd go to by understanding the problem that we make as human beings, in my opinion, is, and uh, you know, I, th this is kind of part of my job, bro, is that people will always come up to me and say, why? And there is no answer to the question, why? So there's no point understanding, you know, why did this person do that? Why did they do that? Why did they? Because there's no answer because it's only going to lead to another question, which is going to be why again. So there's no point trying to reason that, reason why things are. You've just got to accept. And also, and this is just me, this is just the way I look at things. And you've just got to accept that things can, can be different and you have the power to change the future, to change your life by adopting a different path and rather be on the path of fear, you adopt a, a path of faith or in other words, uh, a path of love. So therefore, whatever decision I make, if I make that decision, I, there's no right or wrong decision if I make it in faith. If I make a, make a decision in fear because negative doesn't, doesn't produce positive, only positive produce, produce positives. If you make a decision in faith, then that is going to be the right decision. You can have blind faith as well. Um, I mean, I'm not sure I entirely agree with you that fear is that fear is entirely negative. Um, it can stop you from doing things that are that are going to harm other people. For example, I mean, give the example of psychopaths. They have um, a marked lack of fear for things, and look how great psychopaths are. <laughs> yeah, but we're, we're talk, it, it, there's a diff, there's a clear difference between fear and danger. Danger is completely different to fear. You know, if you've got an electric fence and it's saying, do not touch 2,000 uh, 2, volts, yeah, you might not be afraid of it, but the, it's still a dangerous thing for you to do and it's going to, you're going to have consequences yeah, if you so did you could it. Be, you could be, you're talking about it in the context of being anxious or afraid about, yeah. say, going to a new social activity on a walk, which is there's nothing wrong with that. And, it, and sorry, do you mind if I, I've just had a few thoughts to, do you want to finish? Sorry. No, sorry. So, yeah, because just from listening to what you're saying, I think for what I can hear is that, um, and as well as what Sandra said, is like when we're feeling fearful, we, we, we can identify that fear through the feelings in our body, can't we? If we connect with our body, you can feel it as an anxiety inside the body. Body doesn't feel at peace and rested. There's tension somewhere, or yeah. an electric feeling somewhere. Um, and 
we can, we're not it's take, we take up a lot of energy to try and work out what's the root of that fear all the time so what we can do instead is is just to to notice that fear and then just to calm ourselves down because there isn't a threat here right now yeah exactly so um, if you think about it as like a like a plant so if you're putting energy or water onto a plant it's going to grow. So the more you concentrate on that negative aspect, the, the, the more that, that negative plant is going to grow. But if you, if you put energy onto your positive thing of faith or love, whichever word we want to use, onto the positive thing, then that's going to grow instead of the, the negative aspect in your life. So, you know, imagine if you could just click your fingers and all of a sudden you stop being afraid of things. Your, your life's going to be amazing. Truly amazing. There'd be a lot less barriers in life for sure. Yeah. I, think it, I, think, I think there's a difference between rational fear and, and irrational fear, which is kind of like the danger thing, isn't it? And, and what you're saying is yeah. that, that, that I create a rational, or I've recognised I create a rational fear myself, and they and they form barriers to stop me doing things. So I'm going to remove those barriers created by irrational fear, which is which is a good thing to do. I think. Basically, I mean, I have I have got I have got in trouble myself at work where I went for a restructure. We went for an organisational restructure, and my job got changed, and, and it, I wasn't really happy about it. And I actually decided I wasn't going to be afraid of work anymore and organizational restructures and because my attitude changed over time it made me a threat and they did a job on me <laughs> basically where they screwed me over eventually so yeah it is it's all it is good to be like that as well but, but you sometimes it's where they start it's where the irrationals start meeting the rationals i think and obviously sometimes where people are involved you know, you yourself know how subjective everything is, isn't it, basically? So, but certainly for things like emotional experiences, like getting out of the house and stuff like that, like go for it. Just don't go walking out of a bloody tall building or whatever, basically. <laughs> and I mean that, like, you know, like having, like, no fear, basically. Like walking in a lion's cage or something. You know, become an I, extreme ironer or something. Or I, I think... Sorry. I think the um, I think being human, fear is a, is never present. Fear is like everything that we want. Like we 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 live within the comfort zone, and then everything we want is outside of that. So fear is ever present because even if we always stayed within the comfort zone, there would we would have more anxiety. Our threshold for anxiety, we would become like if someone doesn't leave the house for six months less and less um things create the same anxiety and so i see a distinction i, I agree with alan in in that i feel that all there is the force of life is is love and the extent to which we feel fear is the extent of the uh emotion is that like I, emotion is a kaleidoscope of how much fear we have and the more we can live, and it's about being able to be comfortable to live with fear. 
And so, um, so it's true that psychopaths don't have fear, but the distinguishing feature of psychopaths is they don't have love. Is that they, it, it's, it's, it's because they don't have any, any sense of meaning to life it's, it, other than grandiosity. And so we have to, we can't, we can't can't um we've evolved with fear because fear is a, a protective device in, in a sense that you're talking about danger but i think what alan's talking about is if we relax our expectations you know like buddha said that um the, you know the four noble truths is that all life is suffering suffering comes from our attachment so if we let go and i think that this is really what, what alan's talking about is if we let go of our attachment to any particular outcome, um, which is what drives our fear, then we're able to live um, in a in a place of faith or love. And freedom. Yeah. The fear of our own fears, I suppose. Yeah, right? it's it's fear, it's fear that controls us. Yeah. Exactly. That... So everything that you're doing in life is to reduce that level of fear because fear is to my mind, um, it, it, it's the state that you want to retreat from. It, it, as you say, it's always there. It's, it's the, other side of, it's the, the other side of the coin for life. And everything that you're doing is trying to safeguard yourself from being within that sphere of fear. Well, I, th I think the greatest skill, the most important skill in life is the ability to manage fear. It's not that we'll ever not fear it, but exactly. it's that we can live with it. Exactly. But when you say, when you say but I don't understand how, how is it that you, um, what, I, what I can't understand from Alan's point is um, the use of the word faith to describe um, being, uh, removing fear. Okay. I kind of understood what you meant. I, 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 I don't quite get it because I can't, I, I don't see how you can just say that fair, no, I, I no longer have fair because I have faith. I, so I think some of that comes down to how we define words. Exactly. So feel and I'm trying to understand what Alan actually means. Can, so I, can I see if I can reframe what you said? Okay. Is that all right? I know you're asking Alan, but I just I oh, kind of fine, heard fine. what he said. I might be able to explain it in a different way. Go ahead, go um, ahead. So if if you've got a decision to make and it's unknown, you the outcome's unknown no matter what, and you feel fear because you don't know whether you're making the right decision or not. Um, and what I think what Alan's saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, is if you replace that fear with faith, so you feel the fear, and or you notice your fear, and then you you calm that down and decide to go ahead something with faith. Which is what? What is faith? Which is, which is the, the feeling of peace of whatever's going to happen, whatever the outcome is, I have faith that it's going to be good for me, even if it challenges me. No? Yeah? yeah. You've, got it, you've got it in one. So if, if, you just, if, if you just think of it like, so Pete, you gave an example there of, of losing your job. So let's imagine you're in work and all of a sudden your boss comes up to you and says, right, if you've got all of these cuts because of the COVID, 
uh, sorry, you, you've lost your job, pack up your things and go. Now, no one's going to no be happy about that because it's unexpected. I hate not meeting with our expectations. So when things don't meet with our expectations, that's when we get turmoil because an expectation is an image of what we believe is going to happen in the future. That's all expectation is. So therefore, so, it's a belief. It's a faith is a belief in self. That's what you mean by faith. So all, all, all beliefs, every single belief that we have exists only in fantasy. Only in fantasy. Because it, one, what I believe, let, let's just keep it simple. Conservatives are amazing. That's my belief. Your belief is Labour's amazing. Now, who's right and who's wrong? We can argue till the, till the cows come home. So belief is subjective. But whatever we believe is fact to ourselves. So if we adopt a fear-based approach, then everything that we encounter, we will be afraid of. So in this case that I'm giving the example of, of an unexpected thing happening, which is we are losing our job, the fear-based person will be filled with turmoil, emotional turmoil, and the reaction to it will be, okay, everything's a mess, I'm going to lose my house, you know, I'm not going to have any money, my relationship's going to break down, blah, 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 blah. And then they're going to go like a domino effect and everything's going to be doom and gloom. And the chances of them getting another job is going to be reduced because emotionally they're going to be weakened. They're not going to be particularly strong. Whereas if you had a different person who had the same set of circumstances happen to them and they adopted what's called a faith-based approach or a love or a positive mindset, then they could go, right, okay, you know what? I have lost my, I have lost my job today. It, it is awful. Um, but you know what? I've still got the same skill set. I'm still the same person. I've, I've still got all my experience. I've dealt with things greater than this in, in the past. So who's to say, I don't know the future. So who's to say that this isn't going to release an opportunity for me to get something even better? And by having that positive mindset, they're more likely to determine a positive outlook, a, a positive outcome, sorry. So therefore, it's a belief in the power of self, then? It's a belief in the power of love, rather than a belief in the power of fear. Love. So the only, there's a phrase which says, the only truth in life is unlimited love. Everything else is an illusion. It's kind of, to, to me, it's kind of, I mean, I, mean, I, I mean, I get, it's like everything's going to be all right, isn't it? I, I do get this. But it's almost like making your own luck. So if you think that, because a lot in life is what happens when, when, when we fail, isn't it? So if you fail at something and you put up barriers because you fear, then it, it, it stops you from doing anything. Yeah. Whereas obviously if, if you actually go through with a positive thing, because, because so much of our perception about ourselves and our own life affects how we feel, doesn't it? So, so I think what Alan's saying is if you feel happier, then life's going to be better anyway, basically. And you'll probably, and people will experience that because at an unconscious level, human beings affect each other emotionally, even if they don't know there is subconscious signals. Yeah, but that's, that's, 
That's not love. It's not about. It's not about love. It, well, maybe I'm misunderstanding because to me, if you have a belief in self that you can overcome adversity, and you, mm. no matter what adversity comes your way, you feel empowered in yourself. In other words, belief in your in your powers, as Alan described, the skills that you have, what you have learned, what you are able to do, and you bring that. That to me is belief in the power of yourself to serve. To 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 um to to handle what comes your way, so there is no fear. You have removed fear because you believe in your powers to to deal with whatever the adversity is. That's how I'm reading it. So I don't. The use of the word faith and love just kind of throws me. I. I would. I would understand what I'm. What, what I'm trying to get at. Uh, I'm trying to get. To, I understand what he's saying, but my interpretation doesn't use the words um, love and faith. I feel. I, I, I can't see. see mm. Maybe it's too esoteric for me. You know, in in my thinking, and maybe I need to get a little bit more in terms of connecting love with i understand love and fair okay and i know fair is whatever it is but to me if the power to transcend fear comes from within the strength of your convictions that you can overcome because you have these things it's why is it love why is it faith isn't love, love is one of those words, isn't it? That that we all, I think we all probably think we know what love is, and we probably do know what love is. But if you ask three hundred people for an explanation of what love was, you probably get three hundred different answers. Basically, I think so. I think it's quite a difficult word to find. Yeah, like love. We think of love as this kind of like heart throbbing, like connection. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think he's. When I don't think Alan or it's not meant in the love in that term. No, no, it's, no, it's not that. It's not that. It's not that. It's just um, the specificity of what it is that it is trying to counteract. In other words, living mm. with fear requires you to draw on um, certain strengths. That's what I'm begin. That's what I'm reading from what Alan is saying. It's just that I can't um, relate it to um, faith. I'd say trust in the divine. Mm. That sounds like faith. I, 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 and that's I, what I, I was thinking that Alan meant. Trust in yourself. And I think of trusting myself in my beliefs and myself and my strengths and I my ability to from- from your... I am not religious. Okay, so, sorry. Example, as I said, I've just lost my job. And this is the third time in my life I've been made redundant. The first time it happened, everybody in the business got made redundant. So I didn't really feel that sense of rejection. But the second time it happened, I was one person in the team that got made redundant. And it felt like rejection. And um, I was very, very fearful. I didn't know um, where I was because the way I've been brought up, um, my image of success was um, a professional job, earning good money, being able to provide yourself and all that. And all of that was taken away. But what I learned from that was um, this third time around, I've been made redundant. I have no fear of redundancy now because from my experience, 
I know that things happen for a reason. So that second time I was made redundant, I went traveling, you know, and I've learned through that self journey, physically and emotionally looking at myself, is that um, everything happens for a reason. So now I ask myself is, what lesson am I supposed to learn from this? And out of that, I believe that, call it the universe, call it divine intervention, I don't know. I believe that everything happens for a reason and it will turn out well. For me, that is self-belief, not, in my, not only in myself, because I know I will be capable of overcoming this. I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'll, I'll have lessons to learn. But at the same time, I have faith that there is a reason for this to happen and it will turn out well. Do you, are you including a good reason and a bad reason? <laughs> um, I think there's no, that there is, yes, in a way, it's the same side of, a, you know, it's the same side because obviously I have a lesson to learn. I have to, I have to work out what that lesson is. Yeah. Um, can I just say something that I was going to say earlier, which was, I think that, um, uh, love to me is, is acceptance. Um, but I was just wondering, uh, what Alan thought about, um, this idea that perhaps humans are more motivated by fear than they are of love. And do you think that that is, that's just, a, that's actually just a choice that we've made and we have more choice as to which motivates us than, than we think or than our bio biology might dictate? It's a really good question. Um, and especially with, 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 you, with you saying about choice, fear removes choice because with love or faith, or let's, let's use the word confidence if that's easier for people to understand. Um, if I've got confidence or somebody's got confidence in what they do or in anything that they do, then I can do whatever I want because I've got confidence in it. But if I fear certain aspects, then that's going to reduce my, my choice and it's going to control me to go down a path I might not want to go down, but I can't go down a path I want to go down because I'm afraid to go down them because I perceive there to be danger on those paths. So if you look at the likes of the, the Nazis when Hitler was in charge, they used propaganda to control the population and to make the population afraid. And that's why the Second World War started, because of fear. They feared the Russians, they feared the French, they feared the Poles, and that's why they were invaded. It wasn't about money, you know, it wasn't necessarily about power. They attacked them because of fear. And, f and when you get a population to believe in something that is making them afraid, it makes them more susceptible to control because the choice is removed. Now, in terms of um, fear, fear is just negativity. And negativity is evil. There is nothing positive within evil. So therefore, if you are allowing fear into your life, whether it's something that you're doing consciously or unconsciously, you are allowing evil into your life. And any aspect of evil is not good for us. Otherwise, it wouldn't be evil. It would be good. So what I'm doing is I'm going down a positive path 
and I'm looking at life. I don't know what life will bring. I'm just a human being. I don't have any power. I'm not special in any way. But your perception, you know, we, we've come here to be learned, haven't we? We've come here to understand different things uh, this evening. And we've done that through knowledge. And that knowledge is will hopefully bring about a change in our perception of things. You know, is any of us going to look in the mirror after tonight and go, oh, wow, I look 10 times more beautiful or more handsome than I did before this started? No. But our perception of self can make us believe that. And if we believe it, then other people will believe it too. But the opposite of that is if we thought ourselves as being disgusting, then other people are going to start thinking the same way as we do. I, I, I really don't think it's as simple as that. It's a really nice idea, but I think that people don't necessarily can't necessarily see you in all senses of the word. Well, if you think of life as vibration, everything has a vibration, doesn't it? So when you put water in the pan, it bubbles away because the the vibration increases. When someone's depressed, that means the level of their vibration. It, it decreases. So if you walked into a room, like I've walked into rooms um, full of depressed people, you can feel what's called the atmosphere. And the atmosphere is a low, negative atmosphere. We've, I'm sure we've all walked into places like a, a certain club or bar or pub or whatever it might be, or neighbourhood, and we've gone, oof, this feels a bit dodgy. I'll probably best leave in here as quickly as possible. And that's down to the atmosphere. It's down to the, it's down to the vibration. So Yes, you're right in saying that you, you can't see all... I, I can't look at you and know all aspects of what, what you're about, and in the same way as you can't do that to me. But if we were to meet, meet in person, I would be able to pick up on certain aspects of your, of your character, of your personality, due to the vibration that you'd be giving off, make no mistake. I, I've got a... Um, like... I. I think there's there's an um, so I'm listening and I'm and I'm hearing um, talking on on slightly different levels. I think all of life is about connection. The whole journey of life, whole meaning of life, is is connection. And I think what Alan's talking about is controlling the narrative. So the connection, the first level of connection, is to a sense of what is the whole. This is like spirituality. What do we believe? Like in, in, if you want to talk about spirituality or you want to talk about science, it's about what is like the big question of life. And when you talk of faith, faith is really, we see it in a religious sense. And the, the, the origin of like faith is that there is God and there's the devil. There's good and there's evil. And God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving. And if that's true, and if you have faith that that's true, then life, like our future, then is guaranteed. It's a sense of um, a benevolent universe. Whereas if, you're, if you feel that it's down to you, if you feel that, um, it's reliant, like fear is basically, it's down to me and I might not be enough. That's the core of, of all fears. 
And whereas if you believe, like if you have faith in this sense that, and it might not be a religious God, but in a sense that it's a positive universe. And so when I was talking about vibration, um, I think the way that I interpret that is that all of life is out there and we can take the same situation. So we're, the way that we make sense of the world is I think we have something like 3 billion pieces of data every second that we're processing. And most of that we just delete, we distort, we generalize. We don't pay any attention to that. We pay attention based on our beliefs. So it's that we pay attention to what happens. So if you're in a court of law and you have five witnesses, they will give five different interpretations because they'll have paid attention to different things. And so our experience is created from what we pay attention to. So we can be in a situation like Sheila talked about, you know, you lose your job. Some people will take that and that will spur them on and be the catalyst for them building their own business, going on and developing a new career that's better than the one that they had. Someone else that will be the point that, that, that their life crumbled and that will be the thing that they'll come back to. And the basic difference in those beliefs is your belief, not even in yourself, but in it, is the universe positive and benevolent or is it a dangerous and scary place? And so um, you asked Imogen about fear. And I don't think that fear necessarily motivates us, but it activates us. Because fear is this primal thing that it, it's biologically built in us from a time when feeling fear meant that our very survival but now people have anxiety in situations that really the the consequences are trivial it's mm. psychological fear where as opposed so um i think it's more about faith is about trusting in in the world and believing that the world is necessarily a good place and fear is believing that the world is a dangerous and treacherous place mm. Very, very well tied together, Rob, I must say. Can I add something to that as well? I don't know if it's really um, relevant, but, um, you know, like if we've been steeped in childhood trauma or we've got complex post-traumatic stress disorder or something like that, um, especially while our brains are developing, the amygdala enlarges, doesn't it? And that's the, the part of the brain that develops threat. So we might perceive things as threatening because our brain says this reminds me of something else that I once found threatening. But rationally in this situation, it's actually not going to manifest and it's not a threat in the same way that we thought that our brain's telling us that something dangerous is going to happen to you because it wants to protect you. And especially if it's enlarged, you're going to be a lot more sensitive to threat all the time that might not be rational. Yeah. And, and and that's such a chat why some people have so much challenge like if you grow up and, and your first experience is that the world is a dangerous and it's unsafe place it's really difficult and you have to overcome that before you can see that the world is life isn't fair like the the biggest illusion in life is that people think it's fair it's not but like i think you have to have a sense of meaning that if life is so hard then that's your meaning like the, the, the struggle to 
to make it. And, it, and it's not about we all start in the same place and, and who has the most. It's about we're all on a unique journey. And it's you, you can't compare your journey to anyone else's because we all started in different pl- places. Um, uh, uh, presumably, Alan, um, this most is quite a direct thing to say, but presumably, Alan, you practice what you preach. So to that end, it, it sounds like quite a positive way of living. So are you, therefore, generally, in the general sense, happy? It's a really good question. Um, I've lived uh, many, many years being ridiculously unhappy, especially as a result of my um, my relationship breakdown five, six years ago, something like that. Um, and, and, yeah, it's been a long, long, long journey for myself to get to this point. Um, and I... I didn't just wake. Well, yeah, I didn't just wake up one day and go. I tell you what, I'll do this. I've been, you know, the likes of doing these talks. I've done hours and hours of study. Um, and I've kind of made it. To put it bluntly, I've made it my business to to change things. I can't. I can't bring that relationship back. I wouldn't want to. But what I can do is develop self. Um, and that is something that is within my power to develop self, and that is what I have been doing. I'm not. I'm far from sitting here as a perfect human being. That's not. That's not what I'm saying. But what I do strive to be is the the best that I can, and to improve every single day. And I don't. I can't see for the life of me if I've been miserable for you know a, a long period of time. How holding on to any sort of fear in any relation whatsoever is going to help me move forward in my life. You know, you spoke about, um, I'm sorry, I don't know the lady's name who mentioned about, about losing a job. I, I, I've i lost a couple of jobs. And as a result of those, it, it's put me into a position where I'm now in a much better job than I've ever been before in my life. All as a result of losing those jobs why did they put me in, in a, a better job? Number one, I wouldn't apply for this job had I been in, you know, six, you know, okay in the other job. And also, I believed it. I went into that um, interview with an unquestionable belief that I could do this job. And they even told me that when I got the job, you know, the, the way you presented yourself, it wasn't so much my knowledge; it was my presentation, my my confidence. All of that, which was produced through faith. I wasn't sat in that interview thinking, what if I don't get this job? It's going to be the end of things and I'm not going to have any money, blah, blah, blah. Didn't even cross my mind. Didn't even cross my mind at all. So it, it works. It, it, it works. I've had things come into my life very recently that would never, ever in a million years would you dream of it happening. It would almost be an impossibility, but it's an impossibility because you believe it to be impossible. There's nothing that is impossible for someone who lives without fear. Do you think you'll be a better person in a relationship now? Yeah, because I've got a better relationship with myself. You can never ever have a good relationship with somebody else if you are have a you know you don't have hang ups if you if you don't have that rela- relationship with yourself. It's impossible. 
because you, you, you're looking to somebody else to fill in all, all the empty spaces. And then when they don't, because nobody's perfect, we don't, you, you don't meet someone and then you, you fit together um, in a perfect shape and you two, the two pieces come together and make a perfect square. It's never going to happen. So I think the way I look at it is, I mean, I'm single now, but I look at someone to complement my life, not someone to fulfill me. Because if that person goes out of my life, like the last time was, then I'd be back in, in the same position. I'm not, I'm not, ain't ever going to happen again. So you, my philosophy is to look at things and, and go, right, well, that has happened for the reason, same as what the lady said earlier on. Um, and, it's, and, I'm, and it's up to me from a faith-based position to make the most of what appears. Again, I spoke earlier about what we see with our eyes isn't necessarily the whole picture. I'm, I'm going to make something positive out of this. Uh, Alan, I don't know if you've read the book, The Secret. It's along their principles, but The Secret has drawn its information from much older text. Mm, do you do you agree with it? Yeah. Mm. I do to a degree. I've not read it properly, but I've heard its principles, and I think there is some aspect of truth in it, but I don't think it's quite a hundred percent right in it, in all of its. No, um, I don't. Teachings. No, in fact, is, I think some of it who, some of it's dangerous. Is this the guy who decides to say yes to everything? Is that what that is? For those? It's I, the, the law of attraction, isn't it? Yeah. It, yeah, I think there is someone on that. I think, I mean, I, um, having seen the way it was promoted in a trailer and that, why, if you had the whole key to the universe and the secrets to the universe, why would you fixate on, like, the one thing they fixate on is how much money can you make? Yeah. Um, I think the principles um, are in the sense of, I think you have to do more than just think about it. I think the, the danger comes where uh, it's like you just think this into existence. It's not, but the thinking it can give you the confidence to do it. Um, and I think if you understand you line up so that there's no conflict, you know what you want. Um, and I think you have to let go. You have to let go of what you want in order to let it unfold. Like I think Alan talked about earlier, like, you know, it, it's trust in what happens. So I think to that extent. But I think that the, the book is, is um, I never read it. I, I saw it and it, it's just kind of the trailer of it. Sick, sort of sick. <laughs> like the way it's very American. And <laughs> I mean, the I way I look at it is to look at today. Tomorrow, yesterday, yesterday's gone. So there's nothing we can do about that don't forget about it tomorrow is yet to take place no one can predict the future so it's concentrating on today and what we do today echoes in tomorrow so i'm going to do positive things today so therefore my positive things will echo in tomorrow i, I hear what you're saying i said you know it's just reminded me of what you were saying earlier about you've kind of feel like you've got this bubble around you sort of protecting you from things when you're out I kind of feel the same in some senses when I'm trying to just go, you know, there is a lot of different energies around me. There's a lot of negative energies around me. Um, and just to be aware of that, so I can try and sort of be a bit more emotionally stable. 
um, and not let it bother me as much. Um, but I don't know about you, but for me, like it, it can only last so long, I guess maybe it's just like a muscle that needs training more and more and more, but it kind of, for me, it breaks down quite quickly, but I think it's a good thing to have that there, if that makes sense. One, yeah. one, of, the, one of the things I started doing after my relationship, I think I've said this before, but when my relationship first um, split up and I was trying to sort of be happy and trying to get my happiness back, someone actually suggested like saying a mantra, so so writing a positive mantra and saying it in the mirror in the morning and then in the mirror before you go to bed, and like saying it to yourself and looking yourself in the eyes and believing it. And yeah, there you might not believe it to be said. There's a lot to be said for actually telling yourself you know, good things and things that you should be positive and stuff. There is yeah. a lot for it. Because you condition yourself in, into sort of creating that bubble. And at the end of the day, all you're doing is creating, a, you know, unless you're, you're saying I'm going to win the lottery or something, which clearly is going to be stupid. But if you just say, you know, you know I'm, a, I'm a good person, you know, I value my integrity, you know, I'm good at this, mm -hmm. I'm good at that, you know, I'm a loving human being. And, and you, you know, it really just subconsciously, it just... It, it does make you feel it a lot better. It's Definitely. just your perception of yourself, isn't it? Basically, and and the, and yeah. the removing the barriers of the fears of to stop you, which stop you from doing things, is a kind of logical next step, isn't it? But actually, all of those fears and barriers have actually been put in by years of conditioning. Exactly. It's yeah. society, and so really, what you're doing is just fighting back against sort of society because we've grown up in a society that wants us to become a commodity it, and it tells us uh, you have to fit in you, you have to be like this you have to you know from school onwards and so yes yeah, it's, it's just reasserting stay in your place and when you go to university make sure you drink as much alcohol as you can so that you don't really get very far <laughs> I don't really need any help with that. I think most of my barriers I, I create myself, though, basically. I mean, this is, it's funny, because obviously since, since my relationship split up and I've been, you know, I've been doing quite a big self journey through myself as well, basically. And, and that's one of the things I think I've come up with as well. But I do, so maybe I'm a bit behind you, Alan. I think maybe, you know, I have realised that I'm the one who puts most of the barriers in. I'm yeah. the one who tells myself these negative things which then affect the way I behave. Yeah. basically and it's me doing it and i'm and i'm like why am i doing that <laughs> but i'm actually able now to actually see that i'm doing it basically which which is an important step you know once you recognize it's there you know but my, Definitely. Like, you can stop doing it i read a really good uh, quote yesterday and it said most people are other people their thoughts are other people's opinions yeah very true or like Dirty Harry, isn't it? Didn't he say opinions, opinions like assholes? Everybody's got one. <laughs> um, I, I, I wanted to say something about Sasha's point about um, feeling tension in the room, or Alan mentioned it as well. Um, what about instances where you go into a room and you feel like there is tension there, but then when you actually have conversation with the people, it, it's all right, and actually it could have just been your your perception that there is and it's not an it's not an actual reality so it could be it could be that you're anxious before you go or i'm anxious before i go somewhere and it's just my anxiety because i'm worried about a threat or fearing something yeah absolutely. Um, it's if, 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 if you're quite at ease though 
and you walk into something and you really can sense something like a bit, you know, even here, it was getting a bit, you know, you could sense the kind of magnets pulling away or repelling. We all felt like we were sort of going in the wrong direction a little bit, or instead of being united, we were all, you know, we could, we could all sense that. And, you know, it's come back down to a nice place where we can connect again. But, um, I think it's knowing the difference between when it's anxiety in yourself because you're worried about something and when it's actually you feel all right and you can just sense something's off about the atmosphere, about the environment. But if, if you are feeling okay in yourself and you can sense something about the environment, you might have then decided to switch off to that if you feel that that's okay all of a sudden. Yeah, well, Sasha, are you saying that if there is harmony in a place, mm -hmm. then um, it's good vibrations, good a good atmosphere? You feel okay. Yeah. But um, that, to my mind, says that if for that to happen, then there has to be agreement or there, there needs to be agreement of the whole. So if there is, if there is no agreement, um, then the atmosphere changes and it's negative. Well, I guess sometimes we just don't know what the problem is, but we can just sense it. No, 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 but what I'm reading from what you're saying is that the atmosphere in our discussion was changing and um, because there was disagreement and I'm reading that to say because I was questioning and I'm not taking it in any way that I was questioning Alan's use of the terms and we were getting a bit excited that that would be negative for you rather than for me it's just a good debate and it's 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 um, unraveling and opening up the discussion and getting deeper into it. But I think you found it uncomfortable. Is that what I'm reading? Um, that. You know, I was I was a bit flippant as well, Alan. And I didn't I didn't I wasn't actually meaning what it sounded like. I was more talking about you taking up like extreme sports or something, basically. Or it was what um, I was trying to say. That's fine. Basically. Or like jumping out of an air, you know, like parachute jumping or something, basically, because that's kind of the next step, I think, from where, from where you are, maybe. Like facing um, those doors. To, to well, back up I was trying to get to, I was trying to get a deeper understanding of what Alan meant by the terms. Yeah, yeah no, I understood okay, that. So, it was more, no, no, I just it was more a sense of the whole room, though. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. no, because, you see, I asked the questions because I like to know what makes people uncomfortable versus you know where their comfort zone ends and they and they become uncomfortable because if you if you do, if you don't know you can inadvertently make people not want to be in your in the surroundings because you are touching on points that might no, be we're, we're all going to have different opinions and i could see that you were trying to understand that there was a difference in language and you were trying to understand it in your own head what he was meaning it just the whole it just it was just the whole vibe in the room just didn't seem right for a while i can't really I'll, explain I'll it better you, than that i'll agree with you sasha i wouldn't take it personal um sandra um, no, 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 but I 
meaning I, I was wasn't going to be offensive at all. I was just trying. Oh no, to yeah, yeah, no, you wasn't. All I was going to say is sometimes what we can make a mistake of trying to reason things through. Generally, I'm not speaking about you. Um, we can make a mistake. It's called the reasoning mind, and the reasoning mind will try and make sense of things that we don't necessarily need to make sense of, and it can lead us into all sorts of different problems, such as the when I made the, the, the statement about the, the, the question of why. Um, now, I think what Sasha, please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Sasha, is trying to say was that the, the, the atmosphere had changed or the vibration had changed from one of unity and one of support to something which is a bit disjointed. I personally wasn't offended by anybody whatsoever, and I don't think Sasha was either. Um, well, I'm offended by what she's saying now, because I feel as though I'm, I, she's thinking that I'm the one who's changing the atmosphere by questioning it, and I don't like that. But nonetheless, but no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, don't worry. Um, all I'm saying is this, that I don't necessarily think that what I was saying would offend you, in, I was just trying to get to a point of understanding because I generally didn't understand what you meant by faith because I thought you were talking about religion, that you made a shift from one thing to religion. And if you are offended by that question, I apologize, but I'm sorry. I wasn't, I wasn't offended by anything at all. Okay. My, ma my main point was, I don't know how you felt at that point, Sandra, but my main point was that the general feeling in the room changed. And all I was trying to point out to Imogen is that's, you know, sometimes we feel the connection and sometimes we feel like it's two magnets coming together and other times we can sense the repel. And, and what I'm trying to explain to Imogen is and using the room as an example and the vibe in the room at times, um, not at any particular person or any particular time. It was just an example of how that's a good way to gauge sometimes when we can't rationalize. It's sometimes just a good way to gauge and to start being more intuitive and trusting our own feelings. Okay, fine, point taken. But I, here's where I am different to you. If we are all speaking the same things and agreeing on every point, then I don't think we'll evolve. For us to be here, to hear other viewpoints and to sometimes tease them out, it may seem a bit um, not as convivial as it is when we are all in agreement and it's flowing, but we'll come back to it because it's in an atmosphere of respect, because I respect what Alan is saying. I am just trying to get to the root of it so that I can un understand and appreciate where he's coming from, exactly what he's yeah, saying. Yeah, no, I understood that. And it wasn't personal at all. I was no, saying more the vibe in the personal, room, but not no, from no. you, just the room in general. Okay, fine. But the point I'm making is this. For us to evolve, we have to have debate sometimes over points. Otherwise, we will just be a chorus cheering each other on. Oh no, I'm not, I'm not saying people shouldn't, shouldn't voice their um, need to understand what somebody else is or that we're not gonna have differences. It was just, it was more to do with like the difference between what, what it feels like to be unified and what it feels like to be disunified. But we are unified. I think we are unified. I, I, I have not lost, 
not lost a sense of unity with the group. That's the point. So when you say that, it, it, is, um, it sounds, it's, it's a serious point. In other words, something happened to change the, the dynamic of the group. And I didn't quite feel that because like Pete was saying one thing, uh, you know, Alan was explaining his point and I was just trying to understand the two words to get a, a, a deeper understanding of what he was saying. And by me using my own terminologies, I think I understand wh what he was saying. Mm -hmm. At first I didn't because I, I don't subscribe to the notion of, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not going to offend anybody. I don't mean to offend anybody, but because um, I come from a country where people every Sunday they go to church and it's, I'll take it to the Lord and he will sort it out. And, and I respect anybody who has that kind of faith, but I wanted to understand if that's what he meant, that kind of, mm -hmm. you, you just fair and you hand it to that faith. But I have, I think I understand more what he's saying. And to pick that out, maybe, yes, I asked maybe a question or two, which was uncomfortable. But in so doing, I think I gave, I, I got a response from him and the others collectively together. I think we were able to 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 open it up and get different um, perspectives on the matter because Sheila, for example, um, gave the examples of of losing her job and her sense of belief into herself, and also being flexible and having the the uh, self belief to go off and travel, which which helped. As far as I'm concerned, it helped me in seeing what she was saying. Mm -hmm. uh, when I compared it with what he's saying. And in no way, I don't think that that would have changed the, the atmosphere. Yes, you get uh, more excited and we're talking, but I think that the same level of respect for every member of the group still remains the same. And therefore, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I just don't get it that the atmosphere changed. Well, maybe it was just a bad example um, to use this this right here right now, but it was like the most appropriate one. That, well, it felt the most appropriate one because it's relevant to now, if that makes sense. But it, maybe it's just that I, it wasn't the best example to try and explain. Are you said that, that, that we got excited and that we got something. It would have been, sounded a, a bit more positive. For me, it sounded negative and it sounded like I was being the, the reason for it. That's not right. Well, is that's not how I meant no, it to come across at all. I'm a very frank person. I'm saying it as it is. I'm no, not. but I genuinely, it's not how I meant it to come across at all. Okay. I think all 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 relationships and all groups, it's it's kind of like when you look at sound waves. It's going up. It's going down. It's going up and it's going down. And I think the value that we have for each other is in our diversity. And but like I said. Um, before you know in terms of vibrations and everything's there and it's what we pay attention to and i think in relationships in a group and whatever we have to be aware that some people um look for logic some people look for um the emotions and there's there's groups of people that 
like to harmonize and we all have different roles and there's people who like to find deeper truths um and so it's about it's it's about everyone having different things and everyone's going to focus on different things and, and i'm not very good at really so much picking up on people's emotions and whatever i'm kind of like the logic and and looking for the truth but i think we have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and it's it's the process and and i think it's i think it, it, it's a similar thing from two different views so that sandra's t- saying about we still have respect even though we challenge and i think we need to be able to challenge and then as Sasha's saying, I, and what I, I read into what Sasha's saying is there's times of engagement, disengagement, there's times where we attract, repel. And it, it, it doesn't mean we don't like or we don't respect each other, but it means that there's, there's, there's variations in vibrations. And I think, uh, yeah, that's what I am saying, but also that that's a way we can gauge because what can happen sometimes is that once is the disconnect, it continue, can continue and disconnect. And all I'm saying is that, yeah, disconnect is a, is a natural fluctuation, but that's the point at, for, for Imogen's sake, that's the point where we can, um, I, when we can identify that it's like, okay, it, you know, connection needs to happen again. Yeah. But I don't, but I don't think we disengaged. I think that, by virtue of staying here and continuing the conversation, it means that we want to, we want to still remain connected, and we still see that there's some value and that there's some um, thing that we are getting that we value. So um, yes, the 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 the, the, the um, tempo of the discussion may change the. Uh, and it may get a little bit um, more heated, more excited, or, or, or whatever you want to, whatever adjective you want to use for it. But um, nonetheless, I think it keeps us engaged. I think it, it pushes us to dig deeper and to look um, for more understanding. And I, I'm, I'm fine with, with that. You, uh, what you see is what you get from me. I, you know, I can't change anymore. It's, it's too late, right? And I, if I question, I don't mean it personally. It's it's for my benefit. And if anybody else gets something out of my questions, then I'm I'm glad for them. Okay. <laughs> I, I think I think a Greek needs all all aspects, and I, I and. For the record, I didn't. I didn't pick up that Sasha was was saying anything specific to you. I, I think she was generally talking more about the mood and recognizing that when you have not disengaged, but when there's a lack of harmony, it, it, that you um, try to bring harmony back, which which I think is a different role. And, and I'm not angry. Not sure. Uh, Rob, I'm no. not angry. I'm just, I'm just pointing out to Sasha that once she says that, that okay. Let me rephrase by saying it. Then I am the one who is questioning. So I am naturally going to interpret to mean that my pushing Alan is 
is part of the reason for the change in the atmosphere. I am not taking offense by it. So Sasha, don't think that I am, am offended by what you're saying or anything, okay? Uh, but that's but that's the that, but that's the bottom line. That's it. Okay, uh, and if the atmosphere changed because of my questioning, I hope it wasn't uncomfortable or too uncomfortable. I, well, I don't think it is because you're all here still. And Alan says that he's and Alan is still here. Chandra, I was I was tempted to put me um, <laughs> on mute and call you all the names under the sun, you know. Oh well, but listen, you you would have to do that because guess what? But, but, but you know, because I'm on this uh, on this faith journey, I just can't do that. <laughs> oh, you're talking to you're talking to a Jamaican. You don't know enough words. To, you can't counteract me. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> No, but but okay, but Sasha. But, but, but the, the, what if I can just say? It's all right. Hmm? When when we're all engaged in a conversation, we can make an error that we it's it's our fault or it's their fault or it's it's somebody. The reality is, is all of us here are having a conversation, and all of us are contributing to that conversation. So we are all equally responsible for whether that conversation is constructive or destructive um so i think you know i think we should really move on from that particular point oh i'm fine don't worry i just do i hope sasha is fine and she's not upset by me saying it uh you know because i don't i don't mean to upset so upset her so sasha please do not be upset i don't take any offense honestly Maybe there was just a division between emotion and logic. So I think yeah. Rob summed up really well. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I, yeah, I think I think some people see the world through emotion. Some see it through logic. I'm a scientist. I can't help it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just respecting differences. Like we don't have to be the same. We we don't have to have the same views. But I understand now, once I dig and I ask and he, I've, I've got the answers, I'm fine. I respect exactly where he's coming from. I understand what his, his, um, where, how he's reached where he's, he is now. Come on, Alan, take a bow. I don't know what you want me to say. <laughs> we, we need to, I think we need, I think we need the Scouse Guru to wrap up. <laughs> and words of wisdom to, to send us on our week. I don't know. I've, I've just given you pretty much, pretty much everything that's in my, in my arsenal. Um, and I just say, just to be sure. Um, yeah, all I can say is, is that life, you, you do have an element of control, you do have an element of power, and you, you do have um, strength within your own life. Everything is down to your belief. Everything is down to perception. Belief can be changed. Perception can be changed. Your circumstances will change because of your perception against those circumstances. Maybe it'd be, be handy to have someone, maybe all of you, try what I'm suggesting because that is the only way any of us is going to know, and I don't know anybody else who's on this journey like I am currently, and I haven't been on it for a particularly long time. Um, but it is working. You don't have anything to lose. 
there will probably be some curveballs, like some curveballs have come my way, make no mistake, but I think curveballs come your way because it's designed to stop you on the journey because fear is what this world is designed to do, um, as, as Rob would say, as Rob did say, I beg your pardon. So, yeah, if anyone wants to join me, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it. And if anyone wants to send me a message, keep in touch whilst we're doing this over the next two weeks, then please do so. I'll be your friend. And what, what, from what, how can people send you a message from Meetup? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll happily send my, um, you know, my mobile number to, to whoever wants it. Just no calls after the 11. That's fine. So yeah, just send me a message on. I think you can message me on Meetup, as far as I know. Yeah, just send me a message if you if you interested, want to know more, or want any support or whatever. And um, yeah, I'll forward you my mobile, and I'm happy to keep in touch with anybody. Thank you, Alan. Thanks. Thank you, guys. And yeah, thanks everyone for for honest, open, and frank exchange. Thank you. Thanks, Rob, and for the mediation. And hopefully, see you next next week. We yeah. have kept, we we have kept you long beyond your bedtime. It's forty-eight. <laughs> Take care, guys. Take care, folks. Bye. 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 Bye.